Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. Sport Cage on a Thursday. It's 4.05. Derek Taylor, Clayton Croker. Sean Kleisinger, getting just getting two percent better every day. That's what that's what the athletes talk about. Zinger getting two percent better every day. I have a whiteboard at home, and I just change the number every day up a percent. Yesterday it was, you know, feeling like fifty percent. Today I'm at like fifty point one percent. So I'll get there eventually. Point one percent better is still better. That's better, man. Right? That's that's <laughs> all you got to do. Uh, we have a ton of stuff to talk about in this show, as you would expect. We are going to talk a ton of football. Marshall Ferguson at 4.30 wrote a piece on Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore. It's up right now at CFL.ca. You can read it there. We'll talk about what to expect from them in 2022. Arash Madani of Sportsnet at 5.05. Glenn Suter at 5.30. Warning right now. And Clayton, hold your ears and your stomach. Uh, Glenn is going to come on and liberally praise the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So just, you know, whatever anti-nausea medication you might have on hand, just be ready. So at around 5.30, we're going to have some unexpected technical issues. Is that what you're saying here? <laughs> we Just cut a suits out all together? Exactly. <laughs> just someone pulled the cord. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, hey, man, Winnipeg announcing another signing today. Adam Big Hill is back. Oh, by the way, Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat and uh, Jamarcus Hardrick and everybody else has been back for them so far. They're going to make it hard on the rest of the Western Division. My goodness. Can we have some technical difficulties right now <laughs> and, and end this bomber talk? My goodness. Oh. <laughs> it is over. Uh, plus... Breaking news on the internets. Are you ready for this, Clayton? I'm always ready for internet breaking news. Let's go. All right. Our our NHL analyst, Rachel Dory, tweeting this three minutes ago. I'm beyond thrilled to be joining the Vancouver Canucks. Beautiful city, great fans, and a fantastic group of people in the organization. Rachel is off to join the Vancouver Canucks in an analytics role uh, taking some of the knowledge that she's been dropping on us here on the cage and uh, applying it to an NHL team. I think uh, I think uh, Steve Ballmer, definitely Zinger, approves of this one. I think Steve Ballmer left me, so it's Zinger <laughs> oh, right no. here. <laughs> I, I th- I'm so happy for Rachel. I can't even tell you, buddy. Rachel is so smart. Like just no. having to, just having the opportunity to talk to her on the show a handful of times. Every single time I've asked her a question. I learned like 17 new things I wasn't expecting to learn. Like, even though she said my boy Darcy Kemper wasn't a top 10 goalie, whatever, I'll let that one slide. But I think that she's just she's just amazing at what she does. She's just so concise, but also funny at the same time. That's what I like. You need to be able to bring the serious numbers, but you need to have a personality. You can't just be a cardboard box the whole time. Well, e- exactly. And the first time we had her on the show... It was uh, around the playoffs last year when she put out a tweet that, hey, there are probably 30 fouls. And she went back and said, I went back and counted 30 times Connor McDavid should have drawn a penalty. He got zero of them. I thought, oh, this this person is doing deeper things than than most folks brought her on. She lit she was lighting things on fire. It was fantastic to have her. Uh, So as of uh, yesterday, I guess Tuesday will have been her last appearance on the cage unless we get her on to talk about her new role but congratulations to friend of the cage rachel dory uh zinger i don't want to say it was your influence that made this happen but i don't want to not say that either because 
Yeah, it's all thanks to Zinger, her getting that job. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Hopefully she sends us some Pavel Burry jerseys because he's, he's the Canucks goat. I mean, there's no doubt. One for Burry. Uh, Clayton, what, what Canucks jersey would you want? Is Beret the Canucks goat? Are we just gonna are we just gonna gloss over that? Really? Are we are we gonna say Beret's the goat for the Vancouver? I think the Sedins. I think the Sedins have something to say about that. As a uh, as the chief redhead officer here on the sports cage, I gotta support my redheads. So yeah. CRO Clayton Croker. So these uh, are boring. Pavel Bure, he's like oh. he's a generational. He, yeah, he, so was, yeah. he was like skill before the NHL had like skill. You know what I mean? I was just about to say, yeah, well, the Sedins got the job done, but they didn't. So <laughs> nope. point to Zinger. Point yeah. to Zinger. I, I don't know if I would go with Nolan Baumgartner or Kirk McLean, but one of those guys. Donald Brashear. Donald Stan Smeal. Stan Smeal. <laughs> Darcy Hordachuk. Darcy. Dar- is that a person who lived? Is that? That's awesome. One of the best Saskatoon Blades of all I time. Know. That guy I punched know. every person in the WHL in the face <laughs> in the late 90s. Oh. <laughs> That would be, oh man, yeah, I got that guy, I got that guy, would be an incredible conversation. If you want to jump in with us at any point, give me your expectations for Shaq and Kyron Moore this season. Love to have you at 306-936-6262. The text line is for the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. Plenty to talk about, as we say. Uh, the Riders re-signing special teamer Jake Hardy on this day. He is back for another season in green. Got through all of last season uh, healthy, which was fantastic to see. And, man, Clayton, the coaches love Hardy on with all his special teams work. So this, while not in Adam Big Hill level signing, an important one nonetheless for the Riders. I don't know if you've ever seen Jake Hardy's college highlight tape at the University of Calgary, oh, but this guy, him, yeah. this guy made the Canada West look stupid. This guy, I remember when he got picked up. I forgot who I forget who drafted him originally, but like he was lights out at the Canada West level, and unfortunately injuries kind of derailed it. I think he was out for two seasons, but. Uh, it was just good to see him on the field again, right? It was one of those situations, like like an Alex Smith situation. No matter what happens, just getting back on the field is good. Yeah. But he can contribute. I mean, he might be a little diamond in the rough that could uh, contribute on the offensive side of the football, too, if injuries pile up. Yeah, Hardy was a draft pick of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, when he was in school, uh, I I got to see his first game, like literally his first ever game, because he was – I was doing games in Canada West, and he was on one side for Calgary. The other side had Anthony Coombs and Nick Dembski. And he went, oh, look at these three freshmen just about to rip this thing in half. How great will this be? So, yeah, it's, it's good that, uh, that Hardy is back. And, uh, he de- I mean, doesn't get a lot of reps on offense. His value is on the special teams, the hands mm-hmm. team, the hustle plays. But like you said, like, here's a guy who didn't play for essentially three calendar years because of knee injuries and a lot of guys would have honestly a lot of guys would have given up I would have given up at some point but there's there's just something about Jake Hardy that goes you know what I love football and I love working with the guys and I love this thing so he's back for his age uh, age 31 season very very happy for this one I love it if he turns into like the Riders version of Mike Miller, just that special teams captain, the leader of the special teams, the guy you look to at every single special teams, go make plays. And that's the kind of guy he can be. Reminds me a lot of Greg Newman, former Hilltop, uh, when he played for the Riders, just all over special teams. I think Jake Hardy kind of fits that role. 
Riders signing defensive back Amari Henderson, young guy who was an undrafted free agent uh, for, to Jacksonville in 2020, played in a preseason game for the Vikings, but we won't hold that against him, Zinger. He's a rider now. Amari Henderson signed up uh, and will be coming to camp. And maybe the biggest news, rider safety Jay Dearborn going to the Olympics. How great is this? In another football to bobsledding success story, Dearborn going to the Olympics in the four-man bobsled team. He is the brake man on Canada 3. Uh, he all, he joins former CFLer Samuel Jaguer, who's on the second sled, and former CFL running back Shaq Murray-Lawrence of Montreal and BC is the alternate for the bobsled team. So Jay Dearborn... Nice. Going for the Olympics. I thought you were going to say Jesse Lumsden's back, too. I was like, oh, let's go. <laughs> There's another one. Football players can bobsled. It's, it's great. Do you remember when Jesse Lumsden first did that? That was huge news. Yeah. I think he was one of the first ones. Ben Cokewell, I think he was a running back for the Huskies back in the day, I think, did it as well. But Jesse Lumsden, when he did that, that was all over. And now it seems like every year you get retired CFLers going to the bobsled. It's great. Well, even then, and, and Dearborn is, is a pending free agent. He'll be a free agent come February 8th. I would presume, I haven't talked to him, we hope to talk to him in the next couple of days, presume he still wants to play some football. But this is one where, Clayton, it just seems like the, the training for certain athletes, and, and Dearborn, let's not get ourselves, let's not kid ourselves, is an elite athlete. He, that man can run and jump and do it all at six foot three. I. Certain guys have the explosiveness to to handle the transition to bobsled. It's it's great to see, and it's great to know that it's the rider, Jay Dearborn, doing it. Can he be funny, though? Because, of course, as the movie Cool Runnings ah. has taught us, the brake man has to be funny, right? I mean, Sanka from Cool Runnings, he was the, he was the comedic relief, keeping everybody loose, right? Can he be the teen clown? Can he keep everything loose? That's his most important role. I don't know that I see Jay as the uh, comedic <laughs> relief. I hope maybe one of the other guys can can pull that off. But if he can push and he honestly, if he can stop that thing from 100 kilometers an hour, and and he knows where to go and when to be, and I mean can can drive can drive like his legs and get this thing going. I think maybe that's enough. One Did of you, the go ahead. One more cool runnings reference. I, hey, two cool runnings references. Put it on the board. Yep. Um, the most underrated scene in that movie when John Candy's running down the hill after they get like the ten second start time. Just watch John Candy's gut go up and down, up and down. <laughs> it, it like hypnotizes you, man. It like trances you into a sleep. I don't want to admit this, yet I will admit this. No, I, I had not seen Cool Runnings until the third last day of my vacation in January. I had and? I had never seen it before. It was funny. It was good. It it took a fair number of liberties with how the story actually was, but it was good. I enjoyed it a lot, and it's it was such a great story. As a guy who was uh, in Calgary or the Calgary area during the '88 Olympics, and you heard about this Jamaican bobsled team. What the hell are you talking about? It was. It was it was very enjoyable. Zinger, what's worse, DT waiting this long to see Cool Runnings, or your boss Abby never seeing the movie The Sandlot? Oh, uh, probably The Sandlot. I've never yeah? seen The Sandlot. What? You know, I've never what? seen the movie. I never seen uh, Cool Runnings. Yeah, I've never seen The Sandlot. Zinger's never seen Cool Runnings. Sorry, guys. Clayton, you might just be the the Roger Ebert of this whole thing. You're better than oh, all I, of us. Man. I just, I know, I just don't have a life. Zero friends means I'm just hanging out in my basement watching movies from the '90s all the time. 
if you need it's any- not even new movies like that's true sandlot that's true. sandlot's one of those movies that was just always played in the classroom like in elementary oh, yeah. school and high school like oh, okay that was like, one of those movies that the english teachers would just always throw on it was that this case for you too clayton that's where we oh. saw it like over and over. You knew you knew the teacher was hungover when they're playing Sandlot yeah. in the morning. When it's that like, when that TV's getting wheeled in. That was yeah. around. That's yeah. the one oh, with, I loved. That's the one with the kid who has arm surgery and then makes the Cubs. Is that right? That's rookie of the year. Oh, that's it's, with it's, uh, that's it's with the, Bumgarner or whatever his last name is. When the ball goes is. over the fence. And oh then the, yeah. yeah, it's the one with the criminal who becomes the great relief pitcher, right? And Marv, the old catcher. Yeah. Marv from Home Alone is there, and uh, yeah, you heat up the ice. Yeah, what a great oh, flick. It's it's the guy who builds the ballpark in his cornfield because a ghost told him to, right? That's the one? Yeah, yeah that's the one. Most overrated baseball movie. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 Maybe that's the next draft, the most overrated sports films. Clayton, oh, that's a good one. Field of Dreams at number one overall, the... James Earl Jones is rolling over in his luxury bed right now. Darth I'd be Vader. taking I'd be taking Rudy number one for most overrated sports movies. Wow, you and Robbie Lowe's, you and Ro- Robbie Lowe's told, was on the, with us. Told us he hates that movie. He's like, "There's yeah. no chance I'm letting that guy take my position. Go to hell." Yeah, it why was, would you though? He, like, he's no football player, Rudy. Rudy, hey, that guy worked <laughs> every single day. He worked his butt off so he could get into Notre Dame. I don't know. It's. Uh, I enjoy. I'm a sap. I'm a sap. So you know what? I, I like my sappy movies. I'll take it. I'll take it. It is 4:18. The movie slander is over. Marshall Ferguson talking riders receivers at 4:30 in the cage. It's 4:19 with the afternoon rush. Bombers announced on Thursday the club has signed all-star linebacker Adam Big Hill to a one-year contract extension. He had been scheduled to become a free agent next month. Big Hill was number eight on CFL.ca's top 30 free agent list that we talked about yesterday. Major League Baseball has put it into plans made by the Tampa Bay Rays ownership that would have seen the ball club split its time in Tampa and Montreal. Now the club will either need to find a new sister city or find a way to build a new stadium in the Tampa area to replace the aging Tropicana field. Four Canadian teams at the ice Thursday in the NHL. Ottawa visits Pittsburgh. Winnipeg is in Nashville. Edmonton looks to get pissy with Florida. And the lonely last place Canadians are in Vegas. Gold Knights captain Mark Stone will miss the game tonight in COVID-19 protocols, DT. Oh, gosh. I hope someone on SportsCenter or Sportsnet Sportsnet show uh, <laughs> uses that at some point. Just drops a pissy into the highlights. I Clayton, I would I would pay to see that, honestly, today. Make it like a, a, a Canadian drinking game. Every time you hear pissy, take a drink wherever you are. <laughs> uh, the big news in Zinger had it there from the CFL. The Bombers re-signing middle linebacker Adam Big Hill. Uh, they're now re-signing all of their stars. The one thing I'm left with the 2021 season from Adam Big Hill, uh, fantastic linebacker. Like the, the guys go to the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. I do not know how collectively as voters we talked ourselves into Adam Big Hill was the best defensive player in the CFL this year. I honestly, that's one of the, the weird things where I think I think voters and, and journalists kind of spoke that into existence because there wasn't anything on Big Hill's numbers that really stood out so far that made you go, yeah, that guy's the best player. That guy's the best player in the entire league. He was the centerpiece. I mean, he was the, in the middle, like the literal middle 
of the best defense in the CFL. But Clayton, it always kind of struck me as weird. Like, really, this guy is – I just don't know how it happened. There's every once in a while a guy gets an award, and I'm like, I'm not sure how we got to that point. Even when you'd watch the Bombers, you're like, okay, like – it's still Adam Big Hill, but it's not Adam Big Hill from like five years ago, right? It's like Adam Big Hill from five years ago. You'd be like, yeah, just based on the name, whatever. Yeah. He's definitely lost a step. He's still great. He's still an elite level linebacker. Yeah. But he's not the best defensive player on his own defense, I think, which is kind of weird that he gets the defensive player of the year. Even watching the Bombers this year, you wouldn't say that he's like the best defensive player in the year. You would just no. say like, okay, he's just a, he's just your basic, maybe a little, little above average middle linebacker. He's definitely gotten a little slower. Like in coverage too, you can definitely notice that teams are kind of attacking the Bombers over the middle because they know that Big Hill can't get back there as fast as he used to be able to. All right, let's, uh, let's go around the room with the test. Among linebackers, and just talking about weak side and middle linebackers, where did Big Hill rank in tackles, Clayton? Just inside guys? Just, yeah, just middle and just Mike's and Will's. I'll say fourth. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to say uh between 8 and 12. I know that's quite the range, but He was he was sixth. Uh Darnell Sankey the league leader, then Jordan Williams of BC, Avery Williams, Javon Santos Knox, Simone Lawrence, Adam Big Hill, playoffs included 74 tackles. Where did he rank among linebackers in sacks? Zinger, you get to go first. Uh I'm going to go 8. Okay, 8. Clayton I'm going to price his right zinger and go nine. He was tied for fourth. Chris Ackey in Montreal had eight quarterback sacks by our count. Adam Big Hill had four tied with the Riders, Dion Lacey. Uh, Big Hill was allowed to blitz a ton, so he ended up with with, uh, second in quarterback pressures among linebackers to only Chris Ackey in Montreal. But I watch this and I go, again, for me, one of the absolute top middle linebackers in the Canadian game. But well, I just still, I just don't know how we got to. He's the the defensive the, the most outstanding defensive player. It's so weird. Like when you think of defensive player of the year, you think of okay, like by a mile, right? Like he is the guy. You can make like you can make the argument that maybe Willie Jefferson, just because of how he looks on the field and the plays he makes, yeah, he's the best defensive player. But Adam Big Hill, it's just I don't know. He just kind of blended in this year. It wasn't like the Adam Big Hill of, of years past, and also because of like the sack number. He's blitzing and getting sacks a lot because the Bombers are always winning, right? Teams yep. are always pass like the teams are always passing against the Bombers. So Big Hill's going to have more chances to blitz than other linebackers. Yeah, as as I went through my ballot when it came to that, and I thought, well, okay, who? As we talked with Marsh about this at one point, well, who would I pick as the most outstanding defensive player for that Bomber team? I would have gone Jeff Coat. Jefferson's got to get love. Mm-hmm. Big Hill too. Brandon Alexander was fantastic at safety. The two the two rookies on the corner on the corner and the half on the short side, Alford and Nichols, were had great years as well. And he went, how did we become so convinced that a team with six, if you picked any of those six, okay, I could have got there, but I don't know how we league wide became so convinced. And then, honestly, I voted Simone Lawrence as the most outstanding defensive player because it was, by the time the final ballot, it was Big Hill or Lawrence. Lawrence had two interceptions for touchdowns. He made more tackles. Hamilton didn't have Winnipeg's record. But when we start assigning linebacker wins, I'm I'm just going to jump off a building. (laughs) I hate quarterback wins enough. But middle linebacker wins, you can't can't go. Yeah, you, you can't just go. It was the best defense, so every player was the best at his position because that's malarkey. Jackson Jeffcoat wasn't in the top two. 
I thought I would have voted for Jackson Jeffcoat. Like, Jeffcoat had yeah. a heck of a year for the Bombers. I thought Jeffcoat was the guy who really stood out on Winnipeg's defense this year. That guy wrecked offenses, yeah. completely wrecked game plans this year. And, again, Big Hill was just kind of solid, right? Yeah, he was getting a couple more sacks than usual, but that's because, again, like, so many teams are in passing situations against Winnipeg because they're always down. I'm surprised that it was it was Lawrence, Big Hill, and, and Jeffcoat didn't get love there. Maybe it's because Big Hill's on the t- same team as them. It's, and it's the second year where the rest of the balloters, right, we're subject to what does the local media give us, right? It's the, it's the local media, it's the team, and, and this is who the, who the winner is. So if you wanted to, for Saskatchewan's sake, if you wanted to vote A.C. Leonard as mm-hmm. the defensive player of the year, well, you couldn't because it was Purifoy. Right, the the voters and the team said it's Purifoy. You know, okay. Gotcha. Well, now we're out. I, I would have had Jeff Coat been on the ballot. I would have walked him right to the trophy. Right. It's just because league leader and quarterback pressures with fifty eleven sacks by our account. I mean, force fumbles too. Yeah, like four fumble. or five of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Willie Jefferson's numbers were down, though they were still among the elite. But Jeff Coat was a monster. So it, it, it's just one of those things with Big Hill. And we'll talk plenty more about this. Uh, suits will want to chat about how Winnipeg is getting all of these big stars uh, to re-sign as well. And this is uh, sad for probably eight other CFL teams. Safety Tunde Adelike re-signing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats on a two-year mm. deal. There's a guy who can be your Sam. He can be your halfback. He can be your safety. That's a real big re-signing for the Ticats. Red Blacks re-signing uh, wide receiver Nate Bahar and the Elks getting two Canadian receivers back. Mike Jones and Tavon Smith. Uh, Tavon's a guy I thought would make a real big leap forward in 2021. But then Clayton, he was on the Elks, and nobody leapt toward anything in that on that team in 21. My goodness. Right off here for the Elks. Just write it <laughs> off. Write it off. That Udeliki guy, I mean, the fact that he's Canadian is just huge as well. Because if that guy's American, teams still want him. But the fact that he's Canadian, that just... Ah, those yeah. ratio busters. Love the ratio busters. Give them the money. He He's their guy who concedes safeties as well. He'll do some returning. Just a, a real valuable piece for that Hamilton Tiger Cats team. And, man, every team in the East has got to have the same worries uh, about Hamilton that every team in the West has to have about Winnipeg of if they keep getting their guys back, they've settled on their quarterback, but if they keep getting their guys back, the Banks, the Addisons, uh, the the Acklins and stuff like that could be a long, long season for the teams in the CFL's Eastern Division as well. It is 428. Marshall Ferguson, Canadian football perspective on Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore and the rest of the riders receiving core. It's next in the cage. One big number for this day is 8.5, eight and a half hours until season four of Ozark is on Netflix. At at the end of season three, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but they murdered the lawyer. And Jason uh, uh, Zinger, help me out. Bateman? Jason Bateman standing there wondering, what is happening? We've been wondering for two years what is happening. Well, we will find out tonight as part one of season four is released on Netflix. Ozark fans unite around the TVs at 1 a.m. tonight. One big number brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546 
431 CFL analyst Marshall Ferguson, Canadian football perspective, joining us in a couple of minutes. He wrote a piece on Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore, two riders receivers re-signed. I think, Clayton, scale of 1 to 10, how happy you are both Shaq and Kyron being back. Solid 9.75. Always <laughs> leave room for improvement, E.T. Always leave room for improvement. I... It's it was such a such a change from 2019 to 2021, especially with with Shaq to a lesser extent with Kyron Moore, because nobody had success with the deep ball in 2021. Kyron still got his behind the line of scrimmage within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage stuff. But it, it was the biggest change for for Shaq, right? It, he was an absolute dominant force in 2019. And in 2021, be it the broken leg, be it the time off, whatever it was, it just it was it was never the same. And and we we kind of wonder, okay, well what is 2022 going to be all about? And I think it's gonna be a lot of 2019. Again, the whole CFL just write it off. Write it off it's like Uncle Leo wrecking a stereo, write it off, okay? Like, I just really, really hope that Shaq Evans finds that 2019 form so the, so the comment keyboard warriors can stop talking about his, his attitude problems and stuff, okay? Like, the guy's just passionate, the guy just wants to win. When you're passionate and you want to win, sometimes the wires cross and, and you chuck the helmet. Not the best look, but it happens to the best of them. Sometimes when the quarterback hangs you out to dry, you, you get a little frustrated, hey? Not that you Quarter, would know from quarterback's your Quarterback's always right, DT. Quarterback's <laughs> always right. So well, it was it was one of the the interesting things of the uh, the the pissy thing from from the from Edmonton made me think of times where a lot of times when we interview coaches and athletes and stuff they they don't really tell us the truth, right? They tell us a a, a version of an answer that will make sure there are no waves created in the locker room because locker room harmony is is more important to them than truly getting us as the media the best information but when uh, when jason moss was out he talked i don't know if it was after the calgary game where cody kind of had a little bit uh, to, to go off after the calgary game or or the week later but he he talked about cody's problems with with the deep ball and he, and he said when the quarterback leaves the ball inside on a deep ball that's the, that's the quarterback's fault. That's not on the receiver. That's the quarterback's fault. That ball's got to be up and outside if you're running a go route along the sideline. And he went, oh, okay. That He kind of, if you wanted to spin it that way, kind of threw Cody under the bus. I hate that phrase, but you could, you could have said that. But ultimately, folks like me learn something from that as we look at this and go, oh, okay, so when Cody throws the, the in, whatever it was, uh, comeback or in route to Shaq in the Edmonton game here, and again, leaves it inside. You're like, oh, okay. Well, there goes Shaq's helmet. He's frustrated because Cody's not got the ball where he wants it to be. And the reason he's frustrated is because that is peewee football stuff. Like, you're taught that as a quarterback in peewee football. If you're throwing flies or throwing outs, lead him outside. You lead him outside. If you miss outside, the worst thing that's going to happen, incomplete pass. You miss inside, worst thing that's going to happen, pick six. So 
again, that's why Shaq is so frustrating because if you're a pro quarterback, you should be able to make those throws. Maybe not 100% of the time, but a lot more than Cody was going. I, I, that's a tongue-in-cheek thing, the yeah, whole yeah. quarterback's always right thing. I just say that because I used to play quarterback, but, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Those inside throws, and Cody had them a lot last year, and it's just the, you know, the timing, the repetitions and stuff. I, you got to get frustrated when you're messing up peewee football things. Yeah, and whatever led to that, we'll, we'll, we may never know, ultimately, what what led to that but it was very much noticeable when you look at Shaq and when you look at at Kyron Moore uh Shaq in 2019 I went back pardon me to pull out these numbers uh Shaq was an absolute revelation in 2019 on the deep balls anything 20 plus yards downfield 15 of 31 for 600 yards and two touchdowns so his average reception when he made a catch on a deep ball was a 40 yard gain that is crazy yeah, if you're not like a hardcore football fan, you're just a casual fan who likes watching the Riders on the weekend, that's that's nuts. That's, like that that's a nuts stat right there. Yeah, 600 yards on deep balls for Shaq in 2019. For Kyron Moore, he was 8 of 15 on his deep balls. We of course all remember the ride at home with Kyron Moore 98-yarder against Toronto, but 8 of 15, 262 and four touchdowns. Uh, and then you get to the past year and Cody didn't even complete. He just barely completed 15 deep balls. Shaq on his deep balls as Marshall Ferguson's beautiful graph on his piece on CFL.ca shows us. Marsh Shaq in the deep ball in 2021 was not nearly the same. Scary. Uh, that that's what comes to word for me. I, I think that that's the, when I put that together, I was like, okay, yeah, I thought that this wasn't necessarily a great year. And overall, statistically, I think we understood what it kind of looked like. And, and then I put that together and specifically down that left hash, yep. and even down the left, left sideline, I was like, oh man, like it's, and Cody's struggles with the deep ball were not I would say uh, consistent through one receiver over another. It wasn't like, well, you know, he was really bad to Kyron Moore, but he was really good to Shaq or vice versa. Or, uh, you know, when Duke came in, we thought, well, that's going to be the answer. And yeah, there were some, but there were also some off games early on when Duke came in trying to feel each other out, as you know. So it was never really one player or another. And uh, yeah, I mean, that Shaq stuff, when I put that together, it was like, there's not a lot of disparity in targets here. There's not a lot of variety in different places that he was trying to get the football to with Shaq. And when he tried to get it to spots that were really successful in 2019, it didn't work the way that anybody thought it would in 21. Yeah, our our, our data matches up on that, Shaq. And you see it on the graph on your piece on CFL.ca. 0 for 10 on deep balls intended for Shaq in 2021. Two of those were intercepted. Uh, I went back into the numbers. Three of them were graded as accurate passes. And went, mm-hmm. yeah, that is, <laughs> that is, that is harsh. And honestly, as Ryder fans, we went, yeah, actually that's, that sounds about right because we all watched it happen. And from week, whatever it was, six on, we all kind of expressed our frustration with it for the next eight consecutive weeks, because it was just, it was just that rough. So uh, Marshall Ferguson, Canadian football perspective and CFL.ca, of course, with us on the cage. What were you? What did you expect to find when you went looking at Shaq and Kyron Moore? So the thing that that fascinates me about these two guys, and I mentioned it a little bit in the piece, but really, I mean, when you're trying to jam things into 700-ish words with a couple of graphics and stuff, you never really get the chance you way to do it in this medium to explain or kind of explore. And I think the thing that I was most fascinated by was with Kyron Moore's style of play. 
Like, cause I, I can look at the numbers the same as you and I can see the, the usage rate and I can see, uh, you know, depth of target and these things that we use to kind of analyze, but the way he runs routes, I can't define a number two. And, and I find that his way of running routes and being able to free himself up, it's, I mentioned it in the piece that the idea of the deep corners or the deep crossing routes where he's lining up at number two, number three to the field. And he's going on these deep over routes where he's over the middle linebacker and he's crossing the safety space. Or, you know, if they're playing uh, you know, a single high and he's got the free safety in the middle of the field and he, you know, the, the safety takes the seam route to the outside. Now he's the skinny post that's going right down the middle of the field. And I find his style of play, the way he opens himself up and the speed that he plays with, not just in his waggle or running a 10 yard route, when he has somebody on him and he needs to kind of stair climb a little bit to 10, 15, 20 yards and then snap on an inner outbreaking route, that's where I find him fascinating because it reminds me a lot. And I know everybody says, well, Lucky Whitehead reminds me of Brandon Banks. Oh, Kyron Moore reminds me of Brandon Banks. For some reason, Speedy has become the poster child of small guy gets open. Right. But they all do it. They all do it a different way. And I think Kyron's different than Brandon Banks in the way he gets open because Speedy is I got to tell you, if you ever get a chance out there, if you're a CFL fan and you want a fascinating study on route running, watch Brandon Banks from 2019 DT because he doesn't follow a single rule. Like none of his (laughs) routes make sense. He's going on a corner. And yeah, it's good to inside release sometimes on a corner route, but he'll like, you know, there'll be an expanding will linebacker and he'll jump to avoid him because he doesn't want to have any contact, throw him off his route. And then he'll run as fast as he can to the inside of the hash and then snap violently back to the corner. And there's a reason he was open so much in 2019. Nobody knew what the hell he was doing. And I don't think Brandon did. But like when I watch Kyron Moore, he's more disciplined in his route running. He seems to understand concepts a little more. And the interesting thing too is, and this is where I really think his production grade on my tracking really picked up this year. He understands timing and spacing, I think better than we give him credit for. And the reason I say that is, you can have kind of like a mesh concept, right? Where there's these crossing routes and somebody has to pick the middle linebacker or rubber if it's a man coverage or a deep in breaking route. And he will constantly, as he's running his routes, be looking around, like kind of searchlighting for, okay, where are the defenders near me? What, what coverage are they playing? How are they treating the other receivers that are in this scheme? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I find interesting is he seems to understand this. So for me, that's, that's a green light on there's a higher ceiling here because I see that he understands the game and he can play fast. As for Shaq, I was interested to dive in and look at him just to figure out, okay, is 2019 Shaq the real guy? And 21 was just the injury riddled, couldn't get back into the flow of things. Sometimes when players have a really bad year, whether it's injury or otherwise, I I tend to look at them and go, "Mm, maybe that's the more realistic version. Maybe this was a bit of a, a, a streaking star across the sky in 2019 that's never going to shine that bright again. But when I watch the way that Shaq is so physical and so explosive, it's not that he—it's not like he tore an Achilles, like he broke yeah. his foot, right? It, it's about well, like, like the yeah. explosiveness. The explosiveness is going to be there, and so uh, I think that he's going to be more 2019 than 21 coming up this season. Now, is he going to be the very best receiver in the CFL, as every CFL receiver seems to have tweeted in the last 24 hours that they are going to be that this year? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think that Shaq is going to be the number one guy in the entire league. But damn, if he is, Saskatchewan's in a good spot because that would unlock a lot of their offense that Cody was missing this past year. Uh, he's Marshall Ferguson, Canadian Football Perspective, with us on the Sports Cage. Uh, on Kyron Moore, uh, 
we saw he really had some amazing plays in 2019. He had the 98-yarder against Toronto. He had multiple 40-yard catches. He he really got some stuff down the field to the point where when 2021 rolled around, I thought, oh, they should use him more in the deep ball game. And I look back at his 2021, and he had 11 deep targets out of 82, like Mm. 12%. And I go, okay, is this now a second offensive coordinator that doesn't think that's the strength of his game, or is he too valuable in the short area game that you can't really do that? Is that the change of pace thing? Do you think there is – it sounds like you think there is more room for growth in in uh, Kyron Moore in, in the deep yeah. game. Why didn't it come in 2021 would be your would be your guess or your, your educated guess? Simply put, I think it's Jason Moss's system. I, I, okay. I'm not using that as some kind of scapegoat to blame things or say, oh, he's doing the wrong thing. No, Jason Moss does what he does, and he's very successful at it. And we've talked about this. You know, it's so funny, our conversations over the last two years. In 2019, it was, well, you know, Cody's really got to extend the ball down the field. And he's, he did that pretty well in 2019, but he could really do it in a special rate in 21. And then he just flat out doesn't, and it's awful in 2021 down the field. But, man... You look at his numbers from zero to 10 and 10 to 20. Uh, it is, he is special, right? And, and yeah. that's where I think Kyron Moore comes in is his ability to separate on those underneath routes that I'm talking about. I think Moss saw that probably pretty early on and said, okay, there's our slot shaky guy. Like he's the one who's going to be able to get Cody completions underneath. And that's, I think that's good. But like I say, when I talk about the growth of him inside of this Moss offense is this year, they have to take another step and it can't be okay. Kyron Moore, you're going to run 70 some odd routes underneath and only 11 over the top. And we're just going to chuck it deep to Duke or Keen Schaefer Baker or whatever. Like I don't, I don't like offenses that designate, Hey, you're deep guy. Hey, you're short guy. And I honestly feel like the Patriots in 07 probably twisted everybody into thinking that that was a real good concept. It's like, Hey, Randy, Randy you're the deep ball guy. Wes, you're the underneath guy. And they were mind blowing. And everyone was like, that's what we need, a deep ball guy and an underneath guy. I like offenses where I don't know if Braylon Addison or Brandon Banks are going on a crossing route or an in and up. I don't know if they're going on a corner route or they're going to curl it back to the sideline. Like that's, I feel like where you got to have some more multiplicity. And, and I do think that he's going to end up growing into that more vertical concept. I also think that if they forced it to him more vertically this past year, that Cody's numbers would have been better. Like, I really do feel that it would have helped down the road because they have better chemistry than I think a lot of the guys that are on that team. Because let's be real, Schaefer Baker was just getting his feet wet as, as great as he was. Yeah, he was he was trying to figure it out on the fly. It felt like a little bit throughout the season. And Braden Lenny is very, very talented player, big body. That's a naturally quarterback friendly receiver. There was a little bit of, I think, juice that could have been squeezed at a more down the field that for whatever reason they decided not to go to. But I, I really do feel like that's in the cards coming up this year. I went back and as I throw to Clayton, compiled the numbers for 2019 and 2021 combined uh, for all the quarterbacks. Balls 20 plus yard down the field, deep balls. Cody Fajardo passer rating 10th out of 10, 71, yeah. which is incredibly low. Clayton for intermediate pass routes, 10 to 19 yards downfield. Cody Fajardo was number two in the Canadian Football League in that zone where you use that. You, those don't, you don't have to have the huge hits, but those are big chunks of yardage. 
That's the money yardage right there. The 10 to 19, that's where you want to be really good. Like, anyone can dink and dive and check down. Like, heck, put me in there. Pay me the minimum. I'll throw screens all day. Why not? But, like, deep balls, okay. Like, when Cody was having problems with his deep balls, it's like, yeah, it's the deep ball, though, right? That 10 to 19 yards off. If you're good at those medium routes, you're, you're set as a quarterback. Uh, I would also say this, though, Clayton, that how deep were those targets when your life was made at that Saskatchewan rush game that you ended up going down and knocking down all those targets? And I saw that video that came out on social yesterday that you posted. And I mean, those were not short shots in the follow through. You knew that first one was going to hit the target perfect. You were bouncing as it came out of your hand. I know that look. I'm a CGFL record holder, Marshall. What can I say? <laughs> like, uh, it's just I got that swagger, and I guess we'll talk about this again, DT. I yes. guess we'll talk about the greatest <laughs> moments in my life. But uh, Third year anniversary yeah, no, plus one day. As soon as Darian Durant came out in his khakis and dress shoes and, you know, a couple beers in him, I knew I was going to win it. I knew it. I knew it in my bones. But uh, you know what's, yeah, what's like, great about that, though, Clayton, is that, like, in order to have that kind of accuracy – it's not like you just grabbed the ball and started throwing when they said. I could tell because I've played quarterback just like you, the way the ball came out of your hand on that first throw, I thought to myself, A, not only has he not been drinking the beers like Darian Durant that night, he has also been warming up voraciously. Like that shoulder was as loose and flexible <laughs> and just whippy as it could possibly be. And I, I started laughing as I was watching it because I thought – Man, that takes a lot of work sometimes when you haven't really thrown all that much in the last while to get that thing to look that natural right away from the very first time that you touch the ball and to have that kind of confidence when it comes out of your hand and you just know how much time did you spend getting ready for that right before you went out? Can we pump my tires some more here? This is great. Um, but no, like, I don't know if you guys are King of the Hill fans. You ever see that episode where King of the Hill or Hank Hill wins that contest to throw footballs at halftime to the giant beer can? Yep. And he practices yeah. for like a week. That was me half an hour before at Sastel Center because I didn't know what I was doing. Like, you go there, I was kind of surprised. I wasn't told all the information. So when I found out I was doing a throwing competition, I was like, yeah. All right, I started uh, doing the arm rotations like that kid from the Cam Newton commercial back in the day, warming up my arm, and oh yeah, I was I was ready to go. Enough about me. Let's get back to the receivers. Marsh, just as a final <laughs> thought to that, Marsh, he 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 hit five out of six. You saw the video. That sixth one was very clearly a drop, right? That was oh, a drop. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. It was good location, good ah. timing, rhythm, rhythm throw, and I just you know what. If I were going into the offseason, Clayton, I would be demanding more money to be able to go into that situation with that kind of pressure. I would, the only time I have ever been able to come even remotely close to that in a former life was 2014 McMaster University's alumni uh, golf tournament. The football players were all sent out. We were hosting all these kind of different charity events, the different holes, as you do. And Bruce Boudreaux actually came up because he was a friend of somebody who was around the program. And there was a a net that they had set me up with three different targets down the line. And I was supposed to throw uh, into the net. And I said, okay, you know, if you guys match me, then you get 50 bucks towards this uh, restaurant. And if you beat me, then you get a hundred dollars or whatever it was. And I'm standing there and the first one, I kind of like lobbed it and it dropped in and Boudreaux turns to me and he goes, do you actually play quarterback? I go, yeah. He goes, then throw the damn thing. (laughs) He got pissed off at me and he he was asking me to rifle it and just throw it as hard as I possibly could. So of course I I start ripping the other two and I punch them both in three for three. And then Boudreaux steps up, goes three for three, basically like chucking it underhand with a, with a spiral, like Brett Favre in the snow. 
and uh, and ends up getting his hundred dollars towards whatever because he matched or beat me and whatever. But I'll never forget him. Like the amount of pressure that I suddenly felt from an NHL coach going, "Do you even know what you're actually doing?" I'm like, "Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Of course, sir. Sorry." But- <laughs> That's outstanding. Uh, that is great. All right, Marsh, uh, it, 45 seconds before we let you go. If we talked yesterday, Duke Williams probably going to ex- to examine free agency. He's going to get to the free agent date. Mm-hmm. If the Riders don't have Duke Williams back and Shaq and Kyron are their one-two, how should they feel about that? Uh, I don't think that that would get them over the top in just those terms, but I also think that Moss is creative enough to understand that, okay, if we are not the strongest receiving group in the league, if we don't have this dominant, uh, you know, cheat code of beat you over the top with Duke Williams, I'm going to massage my offense to create other advantages. I'm going to lean into maybe this mid-range game, and we're going to throw the ball 75, 80 five percent of the time but we're going to do it in a dominant ball control way and we're also going to run the rock a little bit more so the personnel that they end up with here in the next month is going to determine the style of football they will play in 2022 Uh, we are looking forward to free agent day looking forward to duke williams being back in green he said with his fingers crossed as tightly as they could be (laughs) uh follow him on twitter at tsn underscore marsh and at cf perspective marshall ferguson every thursday with us on the cage thank you brother be well, guys. Talk soon. Uh, Marshall Ferguson on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Arash Madani will join us at 5.05. This segment for Nick's Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Four fifty-three with the sports ticker. The Riders making a few signings on Thursday. Canadian wide receiver Jake Hardy has signed a contract extension in his first season back from a serious knee injury. He led the team with 10 special team tackles in 2021. Riders have also signed American defensive back Amari Henderson. Henderson has spent time with the Jaguars, also with the Vikings, after having a nice college career at Wake Forest. Canada's Felix Auger-Aliassime is heading to the third round of the Australian Open after winning another tight match on Thursday. The number nine seed for Montreal beat world number 50 Alejandro Davidovich Volkina of Spain in a match that lasted four hours and 19 minutes. So Shapovalov and Auger-Aliassime both into round number three. And on this day in NHL history, January 20th, 2003, Patrick Waugh became the first goalie in NHL history to play 1,000 Regular season games. Waugh finished his career with 1,029 games played. And since then, two goalies have passed Waugh. Roberto Lolongo with 1,044. And Marty Brodeur, the all-time leader, with 1,266 games played. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. What was the name of the Spaniard you just mentioned there? The name of the Spaniard, Alejandro Davidovich Volkina. Look at you. Hopefully I said that right. I sounded pretty good to me. So, sounds I will good. Take <laughs> it. The text line is 306-936-6262. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. Brian says, you think the Riders would be interested in Kwaku Botang if he gets to free agency? I really this past year for Boateng was it was a disaster. Yeah, he played for the Elks, so maybe maybe not a real surprise that it was. I think he had two sacks this season. He was nowhere near the effect he was, and there's thoughts that Chris Jones won't want to use a Canadian at defensive end, so 
Boateng and Matthew Betts may well hit free agency. The trouble you run into is that if you have a Canadian starting at a position like that, you need a Canadian to back him up. And as of right now, the Riders don't have a Canadian defensive end. Like Jordan Reeves is nominally a defensive end, but a special teams player. Uh, you could run Kevin Francis if he's back uh, defensive end, but he's not really your rotational defensive end. I, I, I don't think so, Brian, just because it would also come with an extra price tag because he's Canadian. Certainly... Clayton Boateng's agent would be, hey, you remember what my guy was in 2019 when he was ripping this league apart? I, I, I think he still comes with a hefty price tag, and you have to go find a second guy. Makes me think the Riders would not necessarily be in on Kwaku Boateng. I wouldn't mind rolling the dice on him. He's got uh, he's got a lot of potential. That guy can play. Oh, he's a, absolutely. Like, he's a door. Like I, When I call D. Lyman doors, that's a good thing. That means they're huge. Like They're as wide as a door. They're built like a door, and that's what you want out of those D. Lyman. And I, I would like Boateng. I would like to take a risk on him. I think he might be worth the price. You wouldn't want to pay him like a ton of money. Like You wouldn't want to be like one of the highest-paid players on your defense. You're, you're but if you can sweat done. it out and... I know. Yeah, See, that's the thing. thing. So if, 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 if a lot of other teams are thinking the same thing, and they're like, okay... I don't want to pay this guy big money, and the price starts to drop a bit, then maybe I think the Riders could could add him and just because that's the, you want a great defensive line, right? You want to rush the quarterback, but you also can't be pulling a Toronto Maple Leafs and paying one position group all your money. Well, and and as I was going through just just rebuilding rosters for the coming free agency, looking at who the Riders have under contract, right? AC Leonard is back. Jonathan Woodard, I know he's been taking some workouts in the states, but Jonathan Woodard under contract. Tim Williams is the guy who, as training camp came along, was the name at defensive end. Tim eventually tore his Achilles, and, and we'll see what, what kind of player he could be in 22. But Tim Williams was the, was the one that there was the hype about uh, among those guys who, who were all new. And you go, well, if you have Tim Williams and, and uh, Jonathan Woodard on low-dollar salaries, and from Woodard you got the second-most sacks in the Canadian Football League, I I don't know that I want to I don't know that I want to enhance that or mess with that and just go, you know what? We're pretty comfortable with what we have and that 150 $175,000 we could probably put to use somewhere else cuz I think if if it's a matter of you put Botang in and take Woodard off the field, how much have you gotten better? It's not, not it's much. not like you're taking me off the field and getting an actual human being out there, right? It's it's true. You're not getting an incompetent. You're taking off the number two sack guy in the CFL to to put in uh, a better defensive end, which there are players for whom I might do that, but I'm not sure that Kwaku at the price he'll come at would be one of them. And, yeah, if that's the price tag, $150,000, then, yeah, that's pushing it. But I think just because of his performance last year, I think he might be a bit cheaper this year. And if you can invest in him and it ends up paying off, he could be an absolute game-breaker for a defense. So is it worth it? Like, do you want to yeah. risk it for the biscuit for this guy? Uh, does he have that high of a ceiling? Uh, this is why I'm glad I'm not Jeremy O'Day. This is too much pressure for me, man. Yeah, the Riders had a lot of ratio flexibility last season, right? There were games where they would start nine. So if, you, if you're planning to do that again, well, you don't need a Canadian to back up a Canadian. You can start McKenna Henry and have Garrett Marino 
go in for them, right? But that requires that they do handle things exactly the same. So my inclination would be no on Boateng, but uh, somebody somebody's going to give him the money. And if it's uh, Cal- the Calgary Stampeders, I would not be too surprised. 4.59 news is next. Arash Madani, 5.05. Glenn Suter at 5.30 on the cage. On a Thursday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You miss any of today's show, get the Sports Cage on demand for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. He is Arash Madani of Sportsnet. What's going on, brother? How we doing, DT? I think uh, things are all right. The uh, It should be only minus 8 when we leave the studio today oh. versus the minus 30 when we came in. Well, uh, you're talking to somebody who shoveled a lot of snow this week, and temperature is much colder than that. So you win. Uh, a friend of mine in the East End said they got upwards of 55 centimeters of snow in nine hours. What was it like where you were? I believe were? it. Yeah, I'm in the West End now, and uh, not far from the uh, Leafs practice facility. So I'm used to just pain and suffering all the time. Yeah. And so we had about the same. Uh, we had about the same in, in these neck of the woods. So it was – we're not used to that around here, DT, as you know. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's a, what a once-a-decade type snowstorm that, uh, that hits around. It's good but to know. they didn't call in the National Guard this time, so that was good. Well, in, in memory of Mel Lastman, they probably should have, right? May, the former right. mayor who did famously call in the Army uh, recently passing away, they should have done that. Just kind of a, yeah, a There you go. Uh, Just well, for old time's sake. What can you do? Uh, this We've been talking, of course, a ton about free agents uh, for the last little bit, and there's new signings every day. It's Adam Bighill to the Bombers today. Tunde Adelike to the Ticats. Of course, the Riders re-signing Jake Hardy and usually with the big guys we would expect some sort of signing bonus except that you found out some information on the sly that CFL is doing something different with signing bonuses right now yeah and doing something different is sugarcoating at DT they they have limited the amount of money that teams can spend on signing bonuses this year they have capped it at $400,000 in signing bonuses for this you know, signing season, which is absolute lunacy. Now, some teams have their own internal caps in terms of how much they want to spend with signing bonuses, how much they'll kick down the road for reporting passes and all that kind of stuff. But the, the lure in trying to get big free agents is is signing bonuses yeah and the league has just done this on its own without consultation with its players association at a time where a cba showdown is imminent so once players get wind of this i i wonder what they think on something that uh that they that the league has tried to keep quiet for a little while yeah how big a deal for American free agents would this be? Well, this is huge. This is huge because give me a give me a quarterback, Dane Evans, who just signed. Yeah. As an American, you get taxed differently on your bonus money than you do on your salary. On your salary, they get taxed just like anybody would be at the you know, at the at the top end salary deal. But in bonus money, 
signing bonus money, you get taxed only a fraction of that. So your take-home money can actually be a lot higher, and your cap hit can be a lot lower. Yeah. So at a time where you know you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, how is a what's a way that we can really try and make things work with our players if we actually cared about our players and wanted to make things work with our players. If we wanted to actually have a situation where we can, you know, think bigger picture and say, okay, Dane, we'll give you 250, 300 up front. Then your base salary can only be, you know, we'll, we'll make your base salary a hundred. Yeah. Suddenly that's a win for Dane. It's more money in his jeans and it gives the, you know, and I'm, this is just a hypothetical here. Um, just using Dane because he signed the other day, you know, everybody wins there. But if suddenly if you're the Ticats now, you can't give $300,000 up front to Dane Evans, even though he's going to be your franchise quarterback, because that leaves only 100000 for everybody else. If when you first mentioned this, the, the first thing that goes through my head is, well, if if the CFL has said we're not paying more than $400,000 in signing bonuses per team, and we're talking about nine individual businesses competing for players, uh, it doesn't sound like that is entirely on the up and up as it's presented. That's collusion-esque. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it I, is. And I asked around today, because I think what's, there, there are a few things that are important to understand here. One, DT, is that, as we know, the CBA is up. Yeah. So there's a showdown coming between the Players uh, Association and the owners, the league, whatever you want to call it. And I saw Dunk report the other day that he expects the cap to be around $5 million bucks. So, again, internally, if you're running your own business, you do whatever you want to do. If you set an internal number at, okay, well, let's use the riders, for instance. Mm-hmm. They don't need to re-up their quarterback this year. He's already under contract, so the way they're going to dole out bonuses is going to be different than Hamilton or Ottawa or Winnipeg, what have you. And plus, you're your own individual business. You go about you know, your cap management the way you see fit. But suddenly, if you're limiting people from doing that, that's a different business issue altogether. Secondly, I've been trying to find out who mandated this. Yeah, because I saw that and I instantly thought of Randy, we fix the business model Ambrosi wanting to have a little more control over the players. And and DT, you know me, I'm, I'm still trying to pin the Kennedy assassination on Randy and I'm not having any <laughs> luck with that one. Um, but this has this is this is not coming from the commissioner's chair. Rather, it's the management council. I mean, the management council is for. For all intents and purposes, it's the team presidents across the league who have made this decision. Or as somebody, one executive told me, the folks who think they're the owners and the GMs. So, yeah, the team presidents. So this is coming from them, although Ambrosi would certainly be involved and be aware of what's happening here. That that every team in 2021 just kind of, just kind of independently decided, you know what, we're going to spend to the bottom of the salary cap. Eh. There, I, yeah, but no team's going to do that. No team's going to do that because you know what happens, DT. Yeah. Um, look down the street. What happens in September? 
oh, Duke Williams is available? But no, no, no. back in January, we decided we made an agreement that we are going to just spend to the minimum. Well, yeah, oh, at some I, point you're trying, yeah, yeah, I know I trying to win and sell some tickets, right? I would have absolutely bailed on any plan that the other eight teams thought we had if, if when a player like that comes available. Absolutely, sure. he's a Rash Madani of Sportsnet on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, the Bombers, and I know, I know you want me to call them the defending champs, but I, I just can't do that. I just can't. Oh, do Oh no! That. Oh no! You can't do that. They're <laughs> signing all their players except the most important one lingers out there. What is happening with Zach Caleros? I've been led to believe that it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Um, good for Zach. Can you imagine having more leverage than this guy has right now? Just no, you know, no. Just have, just happen to be a franchise quarterback, just happen to be the most outstanding player, and oh yeah, just led a team uh, to back-to-back Grey Cups. There is a belief on both sides that this eventually will get done. Mm-hmm. I wonder how they structure, you know, and, and this is the other thing about the signing bonus stuff is, if you're a player and you've been given a signing bonus of six figures, you know your spot on the roster is set, and that the team come training camp won't pull a hey, we're going to restructure this deal on you. Yeah. That's a huge part of this. Um, so how they're going to structure it is going to be very interesting because don't forget the Bombers still haven't uh, locked up Stanley Bryant, the yep. top offensive lineman in the league, and that's a big one too. Um, those, those sound like the top two priorities left with the Blue Bombers, which suddenly makes things really interesting because – we haven't talked about the running back, your favorite position, the running back position at all. And, and uh, you know, that passport is Canadian yep. for that entire part of the depth chart. Yeah, Andrew Harris, Brady Oliveira, Johnny Augustine, I think all three of them are free uh, for the Bombers. Uh, Kalaros needs to be the highest paid player in the league. Like, his, his agent knows more about this game than I do. But if you – the Bombers weren't winning anything in 2019 until they traded for Caleros. They win the Grey Cup. Caleros, MOP, he needs to be the highest paid player in the league. I, I, it just, I can't imagine any other circumstance that's even acceptable because uh, he is, I mean, he's the guy who would know, hey, uh, this is fleeting. Like, the, the ability to play pro football is fleeting because we all, as CFL fans, kind of held our breath going, what happens if he gets hit? in 2021 yeah. right so he he knows zach's not dumb his agent is certainly not dumb uh well and i think his agent unless things have changed over the last year or so and i've been followed agent movement in the cfl mm. uh, i've been busy with other stuff um but dan vertley was zach's agent and dan happens to represent Bo and mike riley and trevor harris and some others yeah so when it comes to the quarterback market um Dan would know exactly what's being spent all over the place. And I, and I like the thought of, well, Winnipeg's definitely trying something, right? They're, they're going, we have the stars at middle linebacker, at defensive end, at right tackle, uh, at presumably at quarterback. But at some point, they're going to run out of money and have to put in a bunch of minimum salary players honestly they're they're going to get it's kind of the madden team i always try to create of get all the stars and then just fill it in with other dudes because we think the stars will be enough to get us through that's that's what they're working toward well i saw rachel dory moved over to the canucks i was wondering if Derek taylor is actually in charge of the bombers because 
like this has you licking your chops because every position but running back is being paid right now, which DT, and this is not sourced, but I just, the more I think about it, the more conversations I have with people, I just, to me, this is setting up because Oliveira is going to want to get paid. Johnny Augustine is going to want to get paid. And Andrew Harris is certainly going to want to get paid. And he's 35 as a running back who missed a ton of time this year because of injury. Wouldn't it make sense to go American at that position and you pay three dudes the equivalent of one of those Canadians? Yeah. And then, you know, at some point something's got to give. And to me, that's what this is setting up for. Again, this is not source. It's just kind of connecting the dots. Well, where can they save money? And if it's, hey, we need to put uh, Kyle Borsa, former Ram in at running back. There you go. Boom. Done. Let's let's get there it done go. because you just if you if you're me you know where I sit on this any running back behind that in that system is going to going to flourish there's a there's two years worth of proof of it uh, if they can save on that I I think they they should will it be popular is a whole uh, other deal Arash thank you brother appreciate your insight and your inside information on this day okay DT he's Arash Madani of Sportsnet it's the Madani report. Brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. It's 521. Glenn Suter with us at 530 on the cage. 522 with the afternoon rush. Major League Baseball has put an end to plans made by the Tampa Bay Rays ownership that would have seen the ball club split its time in Tampa and Montreal. Now the club will need to find a new sister city or maybe find a way to build a new stadium in the Tampa area to replace the aging at Tropicana Field. Four Canadian teams hit the ice Thursday in the NHL. Ottawa visits Pittsburgh, Winnipeg is in Nashville, Edmonton and Florida and the lonely last place Canadians are in Vegas. Golden Knights captain Mark Stone, he's going to be missing tonight's game as he's in uh, COVID-19 protocol. DT. Where, where are the Canadians? Vegas. Oh, sorry, I meant in the standings. Oh, oh, last place, yeah. Thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> we were we were apart for more than a month. I couldn't zing you about the Canadians just being atrocious. Got like seven wins or something. Like, oh, so bad. They were from the Stanley Cup <laughs> to here in less than a year. Like they were in the Stanley Cup final. They had no business being in the Stanley Cup final. But you will celebrate every moment of that run. I celebrate us coming back to beat the Leafs more so than the whole more than like the rest of the cup run to be honest. Really? Yeah. I love it. Since we didn't end up winning the cup, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love the the, uh, rivalry pettiness there. That's fantastic. That's what I'm all about. (laughs) 523 (laughs) on the cage. Uh, News from the Scotties. Of course, they will go ahead in Thunder Bay, Ontario uh, the update today, no fans or media inside the arena. It's potential for fans after January 31st. Penny Barker, Team Saskatchewan, placed in Pool A. Also in Pool A will be the winner of the wildcard game between Flurry and Saskatchewan's Chelsea Carey. So two Saskatchewan rinks, both in Pool A, if Carey advances by beating Tracy Flurry. The Holman rink in there. Krista McCarville's Northern Ontario rink in there. New Brunswick, PEI, Newfoundland and Labrador, and Nunavut. So Penny Barker will be in Pool A as she approaches the Scotties. I am... Um, 
Hey, I'm all in favor. I I'm I haven't seen Penny Barker. I don't I don't too much Clayton remember uh, their performance in 2017. They finished one and ten that year. Uh, I don't remember too much. I'm just so excited to see. You know what? More faces in Saskatchewan curling. More having success. Third consecutive year that we've had a new representative on the women's side. I just love the name Penny Barker. That's a good curling name right there, Penny Barker. It's a strong name. Can't you just see, like, oh, Penny Barker wins the Scotties, right? Like, I don't know why, but I can envision that in my head. But Penny Barker, it's a very solid name. She passes the name test. I like it. I like it. Uh, That will get underway uh, toward the end of the month. What is it, January 28th in Thunder Bay. Uh, Other news, the Tampa Bay Rays will not be splitting time in Montreal. I I kind of I'm kind of at the point where I don't understand the fetish with getting baseball back in Montreal because it left for a real distinct reason in 1990 whatever it was 2004 2004 excuse <laughs> I was stuck on the year they should have won the World Series but got screwed 94. by the lockout 94 yeah. uh, I kind of don't get the fetish for baseball back in Montreal when it failed so spectacularly 17 years ago. You know what it was? Vladdy Jr. hitting that bomb in preseason for the Jays. That last preseason game when they wrapped it up, it was Vladdy Jr. hitting that bomb, and everyone's like, oh, we didn't know what we had. We didn't know what we had. I I don't know, Montreal, like, I just don't get how they can be so passionate about the Habs and just have, well, they had some passion for Montreal when they're winning, like the Alouettes, that is. But it just seemed like Montreal, like a professional baseball team in Montreal was the third banana, like... Yeah. How? In such a good sports city? I don't understand. Like, baseball's great to go to. Maybe it's the building? Like, was the the Big O was kind of a dump, is it not? Big O, Big O's a dump, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Tampa, I mean, they don't play in a particularly nice field. It's a dump. And they've been trying <laughs> to get too. a new ballpark, and what was this leverage? We're going to play half our season in Montreal to try to leverage the folks in Florida. Major League Baseball today said, well, you're not doing that. You're not playing half the season in Montreal. So if that was leverage, it's they've struck out on that. I, my old colleague Paul Hollingsworth, the biggest Expos fan I ever met in my life, loves the thought of them coming back. And then you know, hey, the the logo was cool, and remember the powder blue jerseys, great. I just I don't know why people think it's going to be a financial success. What's changed in Montreal in the last twenty years that that well, this is going to be the time now? It would just be so perfect if the Rays could just straight up relocate to Montreal. They just plunk them in the AL East and just run with it. You know what I mean? I mean, you can't tell me that the a new Montreal Expos team wouldn't bring in as much money as what the Tampa Bay Rays are right now down there. Like, come on. Even though they've been really good, right? <laughs> yeah, they're a great team for some reason. I don't get it, but they're a good team every single year. They beat the Jays every 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 game, it seems like, especially down in the trop. It's just not, uh, it's not working, and they're trying and trying and trying, but... Uh... Yeah, they will maybe not next be trying, year. We'll uh, try again in Montreal. Katie and Aberdeen, thank you for this. Uh, Kerry, Flurry, and Holman are all into the Scotties. It's an 18 team draw, no play in. Forgive me, Katie. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, all the wild card teams are in. Uh, they used to play off one to get one in, but uh, thank you for that that update. So we do have two Saskatchewan rinks officially in Pool A. That was my mistake later. This is why I love. The text line, the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line, uh, lets me in on stuff that I got just a little. Every once in a while, Zinger, a couple times a year, I absolutely fall on my face with facts and figures. Oh, that's me 
about three times a day, so you're ahead of me. Yeah. So don't worry about it. I love it. I love it. 528 Glenn Suter, fine tailored suits, next in the cage. Five thirty. Time for fine tailored suits. Brought to you by Quality Tire. Ten locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. Suits. I've got my bucket handy because he texted me earlier today and said we need to talk about the, what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are doing. So I've got my bucket <laughs> ready. It's it's pushing it to the to just the back of my tongue. The bile is up. Uh, you want to come on the home of the Riders and praise the Bombers. I fully well, not necessarily praise. I just, I, I find it interesting. First of all, hey, welcome back, Zinger. He's yeah. back there, right? Hey, yeah. Hey, Glenn. Yeah, welcome back. Thank man. you, Good brother. Good to have you back. Hey, uh, but yeah, you're you're right, DT. I, uh, I, you know, first of all, our defending champions, right? Oh, God. <laughs> if you say back-to-back champions, I'm just leaving, and, and Clayton's going to do this. They won I'm the Grey Cup. I, I concede the point. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I I was listening in and and heard how much you oppose that. But um, yeah, you know, I just it, it got me thinking because you know you go back to the New England Patriots at, at not maybe now but in the past uh, when they were on their way up and and you know back to back championships and things like that and guys that would take less money the home the hometown discount differently than you know it's their hometown it's it's their team and the importance of a coach and an organization empowering the players in the locker room and I just to me it's a whole chapter in the book because it's it's again something that's not really measurable but it is something that is is so important to championship play to to bringing your your level because all the athletes are good on every team they're Mm. all great players so what's the difference that small difference is always something that i'm fascinated to figure out and when i watch the bombers right now all their stars are re-signing and and after they sign they're basically saying didn't want to go anywhere else didn't even want to go to the free agent market now you know i know there's not a ton of difference in paychecks and money when it comes to a free agent in the cfl i i get that you know sometimes it's 10 15 thousand 20 thousand dollars and after taxes in our country, well, that's what, 10 bucks or so. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, you, you know, I think there's, that has to be sort of a, an asterisk, but I just find it interesting that, that you look at these teams and Hamilton's another one with coach O Orlando Steinauer, and you see these guys say, didn't want to go anywhere else. Love this room, love the culture. This is where I want to be. Mm. And, and I just, I think it is so important. And you look at the coaches that we have in the league right now, DT, I, I think all of them are pretty much all of them are, are real capable of accomplishing it. Certainly Dickinson brothers, for sure. Dave has done it already in Calgary and Craig, you know, he's that type of guy, but you know, I look at a really good group from Rick Campbell in BC and coach Lapo out in Ottawa and, and Dinwiddie in, in Toronto younger, but can certainly understand it from a locker room perspective and Kahari in Montreal, I, you know, I just, it's a, it's a real special group with probably Steinauer and O'Shea right now at the top of the list because of what free agents are potential free agents are saying when they resign. 
It's and and it's it's bonkers. You mentioned the guys they've re-signed. Jackson Jeffcoat was kind of the the pivot point for me as I looked at it because I thought I would take Jackson Jeffcoat if I was one of the other eight GMs. Maybe not Jeremy O'Day because AC Leonard does a hell of a job. I would take Jackson Jeffcoat and say I'll make you the highest paid defensive player in the league because I think you wreck defenses and. Jackson Jeffcoat a couple weeks ago went, yeah, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. And he would have had Farhan, I think reported $175,000 when please t- someone would have busted the bank for, for that guy league leader and quarterback pressures wrecking the defense in, in every game this season, he could have yeah. made a significant bump. Big Hill took a six figure pay cut last year. Uh, Kalara's pay cut, Jefferson pay cut for the shortened season. But when, when Jeff coat resigned, uh, it, it struck me that they, they might get all these guys back. Maybe Alexander, the safety is a different deal, but they might get, you know, all you know six of these guys back yeah and if you're if you're winnipeg and you're a free agent or a potential free agent you're, you're right around the corner here you're you're looking at that zach contract you're thinking if i can sign before zach does there might be a little bit more money or a little bit more flexibility possibly in the discussion and that may be part of it but i i think it really comes down to culture and yes it does happen. It does. It does matter that they've won back-to-back championships. I mean, that that matters because y- you are now validated by the process. So Michael mm. O'Shea's approach to the game is now validated by the championships, and they go, "Hey, why would I want to go when we have the formula? We have the players. I want to stay right here and win another one." And and so that's that's an easy mindset to jump into. But I, I think it goes beyond the actual winning of the championship. I think it also goes to just the straight culture, the honesty when it needs to be, when you need to talk honestly to a player, um, the the real opportunity given, not not just lip service, but real opportunity given to players. Mm-hmm. When challenges hit, and they always do, the coach can then be supportive of his player back his player even if it's a tough one even if it means a suspension but he backs his player allows him to make the comeback and most importantly i think it's the empowerment of you know these are grown men these are grown men that have have lived their whole lives in sports so Mm. give them the locker room you guys are in charge this is your team not mine it's your team and you'll set the rules you'll set the bar and then you got to meet it because you decide it and I, I think that's what they're doing real well in those cities, and that's why they're successful. That's why they're in the cup. There's a couple of points to the, the Mike O'Shea story, and and I feel like maybe we we forget it because it's six years afterward, but there was a time in 2016. I had to go back and make sure I had the dates right. There was a time in 2016, Drew Willie was the starter in, in Winnipeg, and it was O'Shea's third year as the head coach. And Willie was – that offense was not going particularly well. And they transitioned. They went, you know what? We're going to go with Matt Nichols at quarterback. It was around that time that people were calling for Mike O'Shea to get fired. Year number three, and we're not very good? Six years ago, they wanted a guy to – there was desire for the guy to be fired. And now he is, I don't know, uh, the current best head coach in the Canadian football league. Uh, Presider over the best culture is maybe the best way in the CFL. Mm. And – it's easy to forget that 
Winnipeg fans wanted that guy fired. Bring back Jim Daly or whoever. And it's remarkable that that was the case. And he's gone from there and just went, you know what? I think what we're doing is is right and, and the way to go. And it's it's borne out in results very clearly. Yeah, and I, I think that that approach was always there, but it takes time to put the pieces in place and to get, and, you know, I, I hate to say buy-in because every athlete, I think, really knows deep down what's necessary. Mm. And sometimes they'll put their own agenda and goal ahead of the goal of the team. And that's when you find out. Usually it's when challenges hit, when the spotlight's on you. Um, that's why I've often said that that, t- that guy on your roster that is an I-me guy that's all about himself will one day hurt you. And it's usually in, a, in the most crucial of times when the spotlight is on him, he loses his mind and that costs you the game. And it might be the game, might be the championship game, might be a playoff game. So, you know, I, I think Kyle Walters needs some credit here in this building too, because, you know, you could if you can see that the right culture is being built and the pieces are being put together, then you hang in there yeah. Over a couple losing seasons, you know, because you know what's happening in the room, and then they drop in Zach Kolaris, and that's the final piece, and yeah. away they go. You know, so I I agree. There there was some patience necessary here too, but you you have to have patience looking at the room and saying, yeah, they're building the right culture in there. I know it's an overused term, but I yeah. I think it's important. I really do. Well, and yeah, and it's it's tough to know that. It's tough to know that for sure until you then put out back-to-back great cups and then everybody's like, oh, yeah, no, that was good. Uh, here's the thing with O'Shea, and there was some speculation in the offseason of, is he going to stay in Winnipeg? Will he move on to another CFL team? I was always – I've been kind of curious why – I hope he has good representation who is, if he desires it, shopping him to American uh, clubs, be it NCAA, be it the NFL – just because it would be unconventional, right? Mark Tressman was an American, came here, did really well, went to the NFL, went to the Chicago Bears. This would be a Canadian guy who went to Canadian school and has been in Canadian football his whole life. But when you are, pretend it's the NFL level, you're the CEO, right? You're you're less the head coach and you're more the CEO. If an NFL team would would not be would be smart to be sniff around and go, would you be interested? I'd be curious what you might do with our Jacksonville Jaguars or our Chicago Bears. Yeah, the answer is he'd do great. He would be outstanding, and so would Steinauer, and so so would a lot of the coaches yeah. in the league, and a lot of coaches in the past in the league. Um, you know, but again, I it's, it, this time of year too, it's an interesting time because we're heading into free agency. So obviously, contract amounts and things like that are are spoken of, and I. I always just sort of shrug through all of that part of the discussion, mostly because, you know, what you get on your paycheck is just what the market and or your owner or, you know, leader president will bear. What what is he going to sign off on on your check that doesn't change the quality of player, the quality of league or the quality of of your team? It just it's just the number. It's just the number that you get to. And I, and I think when you figure out in life that it's not necessarily just about money mm. and you can build something like the O'Shea has done with his staff in, in Winnipeg and now back-to-back championships to validate that process. Oh, it just sounds awful. <laughs> I know. I hear you. I hear you. But hey, great opportunity in 2022, isn't it? Uh, for the riders to end that. Anyway, yes. you, you know, you, you when you, 
when you put it all together, you know, yeah, money's important. And, and if you can do better by your family, for sure, you want to try to do that. But at the end of the day, there's bigger and, and more important aspects to your career and, and winning and championships, you know, and, and you're doing the same thing. If you and I, DT, went to New York City ESPN radio and made, you know, three million each a year, we'd be doing the exact same thing. Yep. We just do it down there and talk about the Giants, not the Riders. Same thing, though. So, and you wouldn't change your approach and you wouldn't change the work you do and the research you do and the numbers and the analytics and everything that you do to prepare. You wouldn't change any of that. Yeah. But you just get a bigger paycheck. Which, which would be all well, right. you know what? I shouldn't say that because maybe you're getting that kind of right suits, suits down low. Some things are on the down low, my friend. We got to keep that to it. Uh, okay. Here's a question for you. It's been brought to me on the text line and, and in uh, some, some Twitter uh, exchanges. When you look at the players the Bombers have re-signed and contrast that to the players the Riders have re-signed, are you concerned at, hey, th- they got a lot of their stars back and the Riders have a lot of their depth players, special teams players, guys like that back? Are you concerned at what appears to be the difference in uh, class slash importance of players the two teams have re-signed or is it too early still? Yeah, it's too, it's too early, and, and your core are still your top players. I mean, uh, the Riders are signing some of their core top players, you know, Kyron Moore and Shaq Evans, and, you know, the list goes on. So they, you sign your core guys, you sign the, the meat of your roster, and then you try and get, you, you know, they're going to, it looks like they may have to wait till free agency to look at what the market may bear for, for Duke Williams, but um, that's more of probably just figuring out where that number is going to land and how it works into the budget. But I, you know, I guess to answer your question, I, you know, I think you, you're, you say that they have the best players because they're champions, but were they beatable? Were they beatable in the, in the final? You know, they were beatable and the bombers can be beat and your core players, you have to take a look at and say, can this core players, we used to do it against um, Calgary Stampeders led by Doug Flutie. Okay. When Doug Flutie was with the Calgary Stampeders, we used to be in defensive meetings saying, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to have to beat Calgary. So it's not like they didn't respect the other teams, but we knew who was at the top of the hill. We knew what we had to do. We knew the type of offense they ran and those kind of things that we want to keep building our team so that we can knock that team off. And right now the Bombers are at the top of the hill and they're the big dog on the porch and a whole bunch of other dogs are nipping away and they got to add to the roster and make that core grow, empower the locker room, much like has happened in Hamilton and Winnipeg mm. and, and let them take control and then, and then go and compete. Let me bring in Clayton Croker on this one. Cause I'm curious to get a, a another fan's perspective of this one. Clayton, when you look at who the riders have signed and you look at who the bombers have signed, are you concerned at what appears to be the difference in importance of the players that they've re-signed? A little bit, but in my mind, CFL free agency, it's just, it's different every year, right? Sometimes you get all your guys right away. Sometimes you spread it out. I'm not too concerned. I know that a lot of rider fans, they just want Duke Williams on the team. They want Duke Williams on the team. 
Every other team's getting their big guys. When are we getting our big guy back? Patience. As Aaron Rodgers would say, <laughs> relax, right? It's you got to be patient. Time sometimes can be your friend. Maybe you wait a bit and maybe they, they, they panic. You get him cheaper. Who knows? You know, maybe Jeremy O'Dea has a plan, and I trust him. Yeah. When you Just as you run them side by side, and I'm just trying to do this in my head, uh, the Bombers today announced Adam Big Hill. The Riders re-signed Micah Tights a while ago. Uh, the Bombers got both their defensive ends back. The Riders have both their defensive ends back. Woodard is still under contract. A.C. Leonard's been re-signed to a deal. The Bombers have uh, Jamarcus Hardrick under contract. The Riders, Taron Vaughn. Bombers don't have their quarterback. Riders do have their quarterback. Riders have two of their top three receivers. Uh, the Bombers would have, I think Dembski is under contract, but Lawler is free and Adams is free. So at least, at least positionally, as I, as I kind of run through my head, just off the top of my head suits, I become less concerned because some of the guys who were critical to the Riders this past season were never free agents to begin with so that they haven't re-signed mm-hmm. Jonathan Woodard while he was under contract. Fajardo under contract so I feel uh Jamal Morrill is back under contract I feel uh, when I think of it that way I start to feel a little better about it yeah I think you should I think you should feel good about it I mean AC Leonard I, I think you always have to have edge Leonard's pressure. awesome oh yeah you also have to, you have to have edge pressure and Saskatchewan has done that they got they got AC back um you know I think that was always one of the advantages and has been for the Bombers over the years is its last couple of years has been Jeff Code and and Willie Jefferson so they've got that back. Linebacker's great. I mean, Adam is more than his skill level. Adam Big Hill is more than what he does, you know, making plays. He he is such a leader by example in that room. So that's so important. But, you know, the, the one that I think makes you feel probably the best as a Ryder fan is the quarterback situation. I mean, it looks like they're going to get this done with Zach in, in Winnipeg, but they haven't yet. And And Cody is under contract. So they're, you know, the most important position on the field, that final piece of the puzzle for the Bombers the last two years, that's locked up for Saskatchewan. So that's where you should feel real good about it and say, hey, we got our quarterback. We're getting some playmakers around him. I would say a big name old lineman would be big in free agency for the Riders. If they, if, you know, I haven't yeah. even looked at the list again in the last uh, 48 hours here, but. Stanley Bryant, get, maybe <laughs> just, well, let's you know, I mean, no, I, I think, we'll I think he would be wanting to do the same as everybody else over there in Winnipeg and say that they, they don't want to go anywhere, but yeah. having said that, you never know, you never know. And if he is available in free agency, I would definitely make the call. Oh yeah. Again, get the money truck when it doesn't need to be at Duke's house, just move it across <laughs> to, uh, to Stanley Bryant's house because uh, St- I mean, it's I can't imagine it happens. Anyway, Stanley Bryant is exactly the player uh, I would, if I was the rider GM, be chasing in a year in which you're hosting the Grey Cup. He may not have five years left, but I'll guarantee you he's got one year left, and that's the only one I care about is the next one because, hey, if we don't win the 2023 Grey Cup in Hamilton, okay. If we win the 22 Grey Cup in Saskatchewan – I feel pretty good about everything that uh, that we put together. 549, we'll take a little break. On the other side, we need to talk about the riders' uh, safety off to the Olympics. Jay Dearborn, topic of conversation next in the cage. 550 with the sports ticker. The Riders making a few signings on Thursday. Canadian wide receiver Jake Hardy has signed a contract extension. 
In his first season back from a serious knee injury, he led the team with 10 special teams tackles in 2021, and the Riders have also signed American defensive back Amari Henderson. Henderson spent uh, some time with the Jaguars and with the Vikings after having a nice college career at Wake Forest. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. I now need to know, didn't the guy who was thrust in at quarterback, and this is total non sequitur, the guy who was thrust in at quarterback for the Broncos in 2020, remember Kendall, the Kendall Hinton, Hinton game yep. where the receiver had to go in and play? Wasn't he Wake Forest? Oh, they would have been teammates at Wake Forest. Can't wait to talk to Amari Anderson about his college teammate Kendall Hinton and watching him play quarterback. Still for... thinking of Kendall Hinton here on I just... uh, January 20th, 2022. That will Love never it. leave my mind. Suits, if they had come to you in your prime and said, Suits, we are totally pooched. You have to play quarterback today. What would that have been like? terrifying <laughs> what, what? but you know i would have said to him i'm in let's go i'll die trying what that's what i would have said in your younger days like uh as simon fraser i assume you were defensive back slide linebacker in that yeah i was recruited actually at san jose uh san jose state not san jose state montana state san jose san luis obispo um and a couple of others sfu ubc uh, as a quarterback coming out of high school. And then okay. I, I went into all of those meetings with those guys in those schools and said, I, I want to make a switch. I want to play defensive back. Again, with my eyes set on four years from now after college, I want to get a tryout and get drafted in the CFL okay. or into pro football. Okay. Well, I wanted to make sure we were picking the right position for you. You had some experience at quarterback. I did, but yes. Playing at the pro level would have been absolutely terrifying for the experience <laughs> that you had. Exactly. <laughs> and I, and I had a couple of opportunities. I, I, I remember thinking that when I was actually even practicing as the third emergency quarterback, I'd go in practice and just with my own teammates and, you know, a couple of the rider fans that go to all the practices and watch. But yeah. other than that, just a handful of people watching and my own teammates, that was nerve wracking to run two handoff plays as the emergency third quarterback. So <laughs> believe me, the, the importance of the position is not lost on me and the pressure on the position. Yeah, all the things to read and then try not to get killed by some of the world's best athlete, athletes <laughs> trying to get after you. Uh, speaking of world's best, best athletes, I, for some reason, can't say the word best right now. Uh, they're going to uh, Beijing for the Olympics, and Jay Dearborn, rider safety, is among them. He is the brakeman for Canada 3, their third four-man bobsled team, one of three former CFLers on the bobsled team. I, we knew this. We knew this was uh, in the works that he was working on on the bobsled side. So great that he's off to the Olympic suits. Yeah, I, I think it's excellent. You know, I, I just again, it, it sort of is another example of how, you know, we can we can grow the popularity by reminding people that again, it's it's world class athletes that you watch at Mosaic Stadium every game day, and you know, a lot of them could cross over, not only in leagues in the same game in football, but also in other sports. And we've seen it before where CFL players become Olympic athletes. And, and you know, there's tryouts to do that. You don't just say, hey, I, I, I play pro football, so can I go on the bobsled? No, you don't, you don't do that. You have to go and try out and work out and go through the whole list of people that want to do it and, and win the job. And so 
congratulations to Jay. I, I'll be watching and a great opportunity for management with the riders, management in the CFL to say, hey, world-class athlete. We're watching him in Beijing and you can watch him at Mosaic Stadium. Yeah, Jay Dearborn on Canada 3. Uh, Samuel Jaguer, the former, what, Ticat, Montreal Alouette, Edmonton Elk on Canada 2. And Shaq Murray Lawrence, the former BC Montreal running back, uh, is an alternate. I mean, when you saw the combine numbers that Dearborn put up, vertical, ridiculous, like just ridiculous athlete, you go, okay. Sam Jaguer, when he came out, ran the fast. I think, I, is it still the fastest 40 time in CFL combine history? Uh, that Sam Jaguera. Yeah, there there are some guys. There are some guys, and, and here is proof. Hey, the best bobsledders in the world, best bobsledders in our country, they're among them with limited experience at it. And you're curious, uh, Dearborn, about to be a free agent, certainly hope he continues with his football career because I love my football more than I love my bobsledding. <laughs> yeah. And football pays a little better, I would think, than, than bobsledding. But there's no reason. The two just seem to feed into one another. When you take an elite athlete and, oh, your job is running and – and tackling and strength like this, the training for one would appear to translate to the other. And I'm, I, I'm excited to see it happen. Well, the bobsleigh. Yeah. I mean, when you, I, I've never done it, but I've watched it and I, I would think being fearless has got to be one of the prerequisites oh uh, and, and to train as a football player and understand even at the amateur levels to understand what it takes mentally to run full speed into another human being on the other side of the line. Um, that's part of the great aspect of learning how to play football is to get your mind right to do that. And then once you do it and you know, you can boy, the confidence you can get in every aspect of life after that. So that's there for Dearborn, but also, you know, speed, strength, power again, that's how you train for football. Exactly. And to have that power out of the gate, that quick start, that power to push and get the good speed going um, you know, that all, that all translates. So yeah, I, it's great. I think, like you said, world-class athlete. And remember Dearborn is a backup in Saskatchewan at this point. He got some playing time this year and he's a great starts, player, yep. but he's a backup. Think of the starters when you go in and rank guys. Clayton Croker at what age, and if it hasn't happened, by all means tell me, but at what age did you lose the desire to throw yourself at stuff at full speed? <laughs> I think it was my first day playing junior football in BC, and our coach tried to set the tone by being like, "All right, everyone's live, even the quarterbacks, and oh, we're gonna no. have a scrimmage." It was this was our first day, Chilliwack Husker spring camp, and <laughs> our coach, we have no place, and he's like, "Scrimmage, just figure it out." And so we had the scrimmage. I was getting hit. I was like, "This is what junior football is all about," and I was like, "No, that's what BC junior football is all about." But uh, it was about day one, 18 years old. I was done after high school. That's when it gets real. Yeah, it's it's just it's different. There there was a time where I was cool with that, but yeah, probably around 1920, I went. I'm no longer okay with hurtling myself at somebody at full speed, or in this case, throwing myself downhill at 100 kilometers an hour. Suits. Well, I you know I I loved it, and it was you know obviously a big part. When I go to talk to kids, and I and I do that across the off season, I talk to you know amateur football players of all ages, you know from ten and flag and touch and things all the way up to tackle. And you talk to a team, and the first question I always ask before I even get started is, "What's the favorite part about football? What what is your favorite part about playing the game?" 
and I just ask for a show of hands and I pick seven guys randomly or girls randomly. And they always say the same thing. You get 99% saying, I love to hit people. I love yeah. to run into somebody. Yep. I love to make that tackle. And I go, well, I, I think that's a big part of the draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's just, there becomes a certain age where you're like, yeah, that's, that's no more. That's no more. Oh boy. Breaking CFL news. And we need to wait till the other side of the break to do suits. Thank you, brother. Uh, Winnipeg did it again, by the way. Okay. I'm going to be listening online here. I got it. I got you guys online. So I'll, I'll be waiting. Good tease, DT. Good tease. Nice having you back, Zinger. Man, thank you. Is Glenn Suter. It's fine tailored suits brought to you by Quality Tire. Ten locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca. That breaking CFL news uh, is on the other side of the break. Clayton, thank you, brother. Great to have you once again. Can't wait to hear what you think about that contract length, too. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm. I'm excited to dive into this news and give it to you. Other side of the break. News is next. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 605. On a Thursday, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All the guests of the show appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Rash Badani at 5.05. Talked a bunch of CFL with him. He said, I think it's just a matter of time before the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Resigned Zach Kolaris. Just a matter of time, huh? Didn't even take an hour before the news <laughs> broke from Winnipeg. And a couple of things about it surprise. One, this, the news from the Bombers themselves. Winnipeg Blue Bombers announced the club has signed all-star quarterback Zach Caleros to a one-year contract extension. He was going to be a free agent next month. Caleros is, this is his age 34 season coming up. He'll turn 34 in August. Can I say the other thing that catches me off guard? Let's let's hit that because the other one, the this one is the bigger part. One year contract extension is interesting. What's the other part that caught you off guard? It just it says January 11th on the release. Today's the 20th. And it's it's not a typo like it's the 21st and they accidentally put 11th. You wonder if they were just holstering this for 9 days. Makes you wonder. Making a little drama. Yeah, the dateline January 11th, 2022 was uh, 9 days ago. Kalaros, a one-year contract extension yeah. is interesting. One, he should be the highest-paid player in the league. Mm -hmm. He took the Bombers from what What were they really going to do with Strebler at quarterback in 19? Mm -hmm. They weren't winning the Grey Cup. They won the Grey Cup in 19. They were the best team in 21. They won the Grey Cup. Dane Evans, two-year contract. Uh, Fajardo had signed a two-year deal. There's one year left on it. Uh, Nick Arbuckle is on a one-year, I believe. Bo's probably got 19, 20, 21, 22. One year left on his deal. Same with Riley, who may or may not retire. That Kalaros asked for or got offered only a one-year contract, honestly, on both sides, is very interesting to me. If I'm the Bombers, I would probably want to lock that down. If I'm Kalaros, I might have wanted a little more security, but then you could hit the free agent as a two-time Grey Cup champion and a West Final participant Do you think it was when you lose to the Riders here. Is it mutual, you think, that this one-year deal? Or is it – I'm trying to think what side would it make, you know, more sense for. Obviously, they well, it doesn't matter at the end of the day because they came to an agreement on it. But like you said, you know, this guy's won back-to-back -back Cups. If I'm the organization, I'm, 
I'm I'm offering a two year. Like I would want him back for as long as he wants to play. Basically, yeah. The, the, it's not like there's a lot of talent in the league at quarterback position. That's, and that's the other part is the quarterbacks in this league really struggled in 2021. Uh, there's just not a lot of incentive for players to take multiple year deals. Yeah. Unless they say, oh, by the way, we will guarantee you this payment. But then, oh, by the way, we're just going to cut you on. You get that payment on February 1st. We're going to cut you on January 31st. You would have to. It doesn't happen, but have something locked in stone or else what's my incentive to take a multi-year contract offer, right? In the in the NFL, you guys who have Patrick oh, yeah. Mahomes. Yeah, all the guaranteed money. It's just. Yeah, his deal, once a certain date hits, it's guaranteed for the next two years. Yeah. Right? So, hey, that's also why I'll sign this 10-year deal. Uh, I, I have to think, if I'm the Bombers, I want this to be a multi-year deal. So that, that leads me to think maybe it's Caleros' side huh. that wanted the one-year thing. Still a lot of football left in him. I'm looking at a date of birth, August 27th, 88. So he's what? He's 30, 33 years old. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he'll turn 34 before the Labor Day game. So that's at least a couple couple <laughs> yeah. more contracts. But there go the Bombers again. There goes that man again. So Big Hill, Big Hill and Kolaris on the same day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's not news that I like, to be honest. But uh, Big Hill, here we are. Kolaros, <laughs> Jeff Coat, Jefferson. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick, still Stanley Bryant, Andrew Harris, Kenny Lawler, Lawler, Brandon Alexander, Darvin Adams, I believe he's yeah. free, but he's not. Yeah, Darvin's had some real injury struggles. The Bombers <laughs> add yet another piece, and of course, what we care about is the effects on the Riders and their chances to make the Grey Cup at home. And man, is Winnipeg making it hard yeah. on them. The Riders, that said, and we kind of worked this through with Suits earlier on, Riders already had their quarterback under contract. Mm -hmm. Do you believe Cody Fajardo is what Zach Caleros is? Either way, Caleros, I mean, uh, pardon me, Fajardo, firmly under contract. The running back, at least a running back, under contract. Winnipeg doesn't have that. Uh, their tackle, Taron Vaughn, under contract. Jamarcus Hardrick, under contract. Even Steven. Hmm. The Riders... Should Stanley Bryant get the free agency? That'd be that'd be super interesting to see. That would be that nice happens. if we could just take him take him off the bombers' hands. That would ease the pain a bit here. <laughs> that, huh? that would be intriguing. I I need to see which of the receivers. I wish we could see the money value in this deal, though, huh? Like, how much does Kalara sign for? You it, think it won't it won't be too long before it's yeah. out? If if Cody is over five hundred, Kalaris has got to honestly. Well, let's uh, let's closest to the pin this and see what happens because. Farhan Lalji is going to out this before mm -hmm. before too terribly long. I would say uh, five hundred fifty thousand in the first year. Give me a closest to the pin, and if you prices write me, so help me, I'm coming over the table. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say like five five hundred five ten five hundred ten thousand dollars five ten okay. That would be less than what Cody Fajardo is currently getting paid. So I would hope Zach really kind of hammered at people to. Uh, honestly, I hope they paid him a million bucks and they can't sign anybody else. That'd be amazing. Yeah. I just don't feel like that's how they do business there. Uh, Darvin Adams, Rashid Bailey, Kenny Lawler, Janarian Grant. They have a lot of wide receivers on the market. Malcolm Lewis, lesser extent. It's just like if they're bringing all these players back. You, you, you th I'm, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Is it going to be the same deal as, as last year where we see – 
like Jefferson, Big Hill, all these guys taking less money. That's why I'm kind of shooting a little lower because I don't how much more are, if they're going to be signing uh, Lawler back and Stanley Bryan and all these dudes. That's just crazy how they're how they're doing it. So that well, and and suits suits talked about. There's a certain degree that that culture and winning just kind of keeps you can keep you coming back for more and go. Well, I'm going to pass up that money, whether mm. that's Kenny in Kenny Lawler's priority. Who knows? Uh, it looks like Nick Dembski is their only starting receiver under contract, so right. the Riders are set better than the Bombers are with Shaq, Kyron, Shafenbake, uh, Paul McRoberts. They're set up a little better there. Offensive line, they may lose guard Drew Desjardins. Stanley Bryant is still not signed. The Riders have a front five, including the probably minimum four of their starters are currently under contract, right? Mm -hmm. Evan Johnson, Dan Clark, Logan Furland, and Taron Vaughn. That's good news. Defensive line, Winnipeg has its two ends. Well, the Riders have their two ends, too. Woodard was already under contract, so we don't have to worry about that. It just... These are the stars of stars. Meanwhile, for the Riders, Luchez Purifoy still, still unsigned. Nothing's been announced. Um, Ed Gainey. Ed Gainey, unsigned. Lesser star, but unsigned. Yep. Uh, Dion Lacey, what, second leading tackler? Duke Williams. No word on him. Oh, is, is Duke still? Duke I, Williams. He's, but don't worry about him. He's only, the 15th, for... he's only the 15th best free agent out there. So, you know, yeah. What Still, I had a nightmare about that last night, by the way. Like 15th? Come on. What, that that you were the person who put the list together and yeah, had to get yelled at all day? Basically, yeah. 15. 15th, yeah. Yeah, no lower than three. Claris was one on the list, right? He was number one was, on the list. And so Big, Hill, Big Hill was eight. eight. Yeah, so Is that what you said in the news? Yeah. yeah, one and eight. Crossed them off the list today. Man. Is it worse that they're both going back? Like, if this was when Dane Evans resigned, did you feel anything about that? No, I didn't. I didn't uh, lose an ounce of sleep on, on that night. <laughs> no, I, I was like, oh, okay, cool. They picked their quarterback. Cool, Masoli will end up in Ottawa or whatever. But man, yeah. when it's Winnipeg doing it, and it's really Labor no, Day Banjo Bowl. It's really no surprise though. Like the Claris Claris news. Like I think like a I think like a lot of people were expecting him back, but just the fact that it's just like bundled all in in one day, it just kind of amplifies the emotions a bit. How it's Big Hill. Claris back, you know, like spread it out a bit, you know, all at once like this. It's hard on it's hard on the people, you know. <laughs> it is hard, but that <laughs> that the big news from the Canadian Football League on this day, the MOP Zach Caleros re-signing in Winnipeg the same day they announced the MODP re-signing in Winnipeg as well. Calar although uh the Calaris deal, dateline January eleventh. Honestly, the first thing I noticed yeah. when I opened up this article, I I thought I was still, uh, you know, in a nightmare that I was in about a week ago or so. I was like, I'm still on January 11th today? But no, it's the 20th. As well, uh, Don Landry writes for CFL.ca reporting today. This is from uh, Pinball Clemens of the Argos on negotiations with McLeod Bethel-Thompson. We're trying to work through that now, says Pinball. He is the intended starting quarterback, and he's a tremendous leader on our team. So it seems the Argos had their starting quarterback, meaning that... Well, if BC, if Michael Riley retires, and Farhan Lalji mentioned on a, another radio station today, he feels like Michael is going to retire, though nothing has been made official. You trying to tell me Nathan Rourke is going to be the new QB1 in BC? That would be the new QB1. So Ottawa would have an open job, and that would be about it. 
So that would that would be the other destination for any free agent. Hey, don't you count out Dom Davis now? Dom Davis is still out there. <laughs> so help me, he's not going to throw another pass in the league, right? We can we can make that we can like put that in stone. If he hopefully. is forced to play quarterback again, oh, it was irresponsible. Of yeah, Lapo that was that was childish. At, at some point, you just you can't you just can't let a guy keep doing it. The the Kyler Murray pick six in the game Monday night. Oh my God! It was it was it was worse than Carson Wentz pick six from when he did that with the Colts a few yeah. weeks ago. That, but that was bad. The Dominic Davis in the game in BC, oh. where late in the half, you know what we should do? Throw the ball instead of kneel this out. We're only down thirty five <laughs> points. Oh, now we're down forty two. Like just you can't you can't do that to a guy. At some point, it's just mean and. Just stop. Sorry I brought up his name. Why are we still talking about him? I don't know. It's where we are at. You love to put me through uh, yeah. <laughs> through the pain. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, 617. We probably needed to go to uh, West Virginia for a little news today. The best video of the day. The news reporter in West Virginia. Did you see this? No, I didn't. This you're, is news for me. You're going to have to Google this up during the break. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk plenty more football. Plenty more to come inside the cage. 618 on the sports cage. Zinger has the video open. The West West Virginia reporter reporting at a water main break. Zinger, have you started playing it? If you do, react to it live as you play and watch All it. All right, just let me get through the, these ads here. We're at 4, 3, 2, 1, and it should be getting underway right now. All right, so just a normal newscast right now. She's uh, given the news. All of a sudden, oh, there we go. She's just got clipped from behind. <laughs> Oh my goodness! They're in they're in double boxes where the anchor is back in the studio and she's reporting live on scene at a water main break. She's yeah. she set up her camera. She's clearly by herself. She's on the right and uh, the news host is on the left. And uh, when like a Ford Expedition sized vehicle hits her from behind, yeah. And uh, the news anchor is uh, I I have to go back to see his reaction again. <laughs> he. It's uh, it's just he just furrows his brow. It's just a, a brow furrow. It's not. It's no other emotion. It's just like what what you kind of do when you I don't know when you smell something funny. Yeah, <laughs> who farted than the elevator? Like they're live on TV. She's delivering a live report when she is hit quite strongly by an SUV going not no not straight from behind into her, but but sideswipes her. And knocks her to the ground, and her camera goes down. the The news anchor just furrows his brow. Not, oh my goodness, Jane, are you okay? <laughs> I think and, that's the definition of being stunned because this guy is like, I don't. I'm gonna listen to the volume later, but she's she's so, okay. She gets up and stuff. So <laughs> she she then insists for about 45 seconds that she's okay. Then gets back up, moves her camera back a little bit is talking to the woman who hit her. <laughs> Sounds like she's talking to the driver who hit her, saying, oh, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then gives her report on the water main break after she's been hit by a giant, what looks like, SUV. It is Employee of the, of the month, probably, for sure. Oh. I mean, if she doesn't win it this month, then... Uh... You know, how many, how many other reporters get clipped from behind by an SUV, get up, you know, stare through the, the brow furrow that... Burrow. Yeah. Oh, man, that's craziness. Like, when you're doing live TV, when you're doing live broadcasting, you have to work through some stuff. Like, 
I had a light bulb break or a ladder fell, which caused a big boom. Or I had I was doing a live in an alley one time, and a homeless guy came out and came into my live shot. And I'm like, okay, there's a homeless guy here. Oh, wow. I'm going to keep talking about this. I'm guessing but that was in, like, Winnipeg. It was. Yeah. But she got hit by a truck. Okay. And she kept going. Wow. That's... That is amazing video. That is amazing video. Um, props to her. What's more? What's more surprising though? Her getting hit from behind, and then, you know, or just this guy's reaction. Like I, I can't believe the the news anchor's reaction. He's not even. He's not even faced. He just. It's just an. His eyebrows just sink. What is that? This guy have a, maybe he just has a cold heart or something. I don't know. I. There are moments. <laughs> there are moments where you underreact because what you're seeing doesn't make maybe, any sense. Yeah, maybe. I hope that's it, and maybe. not. I'm just hard. I'm just hard-hearted. <laughs> your coworker just got hit by a truck. Yeah. Incredible, incredible stuff. The news from the Riders today: Special Teamer Jake Hardy re-signing, and the Riders signing defensive back Amari Henderson. He was an undrafted free agent from Jacksonville in 2020. Played a preseason game. With the Vikings, he is now a, a, a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. And Jay Dearborn, off to the Olympics in four-man bobsled. That's going to be fun to watch. That's pretty cool, eh? We have no NHL players now, so you know that's going to be probably at the top of the list for things to, things to watch for the Olympics. I think so. It would be anyways, probably, for we, me. We've got a couple of speed skaters pads. from our fair province. We've got a couple of officials going over for to officiate the women's hockey. We've got we've got a handful of Olympians and and yep. uh, going over. Uh, Jay Dearborn, the only rider going to the Olympics. Uh, congratulations to him. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him for the cage tomorrow, but as you imagine with the Olympics starting in 13 days. Oh wow. His schedule yeah. Yeah. Well, 13 days. Cuz why are they happening? I don't know. I've <laughs> I've totally forgot about them to be honest. Until... Uh Friend of the show uh, from CBC, help me out. Devin, Har- Devin Haru, thank yep. you. God, I'm so glad you're here to feed me names that I've forgotten <laughs> over the last couple of days. Uh, Devin Haru tweeting today, he is not going to the Olympics. They're not sending folks to the Olympics. Ooh. Uh, what was it? NBC yesterday saying that apart from like Mike Tirico level studio hosts, none of their personnel will be going to Beijing for the I'm games. I'm guessing it's going to be like what? Claire Hanna did with the Summer Olympics and just accommodating in studio from Toronto. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So the NBC folks will be in Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, Devin will be covering the Olympics from Toronto. So get on Beijing time and cover the games that way. It's that's kind of a bummer. It's though, unfortunate being a broadcaster because that's like part. Oh. Of, that's the best thing about. I mean, the, covering the Olympics is being in the environment and stuff, right? Oh, I was I was terrified. For a spell, I mean, uh, when we do rider games in 2021, are, are, are we going to be on the road? Mm. And fortunately, the bosses here were like, yes, we're, we're going to be on the road. Yeah. But we, we'd heard some stories from other markets of, yeah, we're not going on the road. Oh, man. And I think... That would suck the life out of me. Well, it just, <laughs> it would not be the same yeah. at all, right? And this is, I mean, calling a football game off a monitor to feed it to, to you listening yeah. would have been... We would have done. We would have done the best we could, but there's just the feel. You know when people are there and when yeah. people aren't there, right? You just get that feeling of, oh, it sounds like these folks aren't at the basketball game, mm-hmm. right? Thankfully, we were able to go to every game in every stadium, but uh, the Olympics will be a different beast this season, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll have we'll extend the cage to one a.m. and get Devin Haru on live. Yeah, he'll let's be do on that. Beijing time. <laughs> 
Uh, Bruce Boudreaux, Vancouver Canucks, uh, called the timelines. Canadian teams dealing with COVID are unfair. He said, quote, I don't know how COVID in Canada is different than COVID in the States. Huh. Bruce Boudreaux, not necessarily familiar with countries that care about it and countries that are like, yeah, you know what? We're all about freedom. He thinks he could just say whatever he wants We're because he has a pretty good record since he's been the head coach of the team. So Man, I, alive. <laughs> Bruce Boudreaux. And uh, in COVID news here, Pats were supposed to play the Brandon Wheat Kings on Friday. And it was supposed to be a TSN game too, which is like the ultimate bummer. Postpone. Brandon doing some COVID things. They've had to shut down their activities. Uh, that game was to be the first Pats game with Connor Bedard televised nationally. Mm-hmm. So fingers crossed. Well, <laughs> I think the hockey world, after his under-18 performance last time out, and his work at the at the abbreviated World Juniors. Four goals. Yeah. The the all-time single game goal leader in Canadian junior hockey yeah. uh for the Team Canada junior hockey. Hopefully they can history. reschedule that one ASAP. Yeah. That that think be they great. will though. But that will not be happening on Friday. If you have tickets for the game on Friday, uh the Pats will reach out to you and tell you about rescheduling. We of course broadcast all your Pats games right here on six twenty CKRM. With Dante DiCaria, no game tomorrow. How about officially now two Saskatchewan rinks sharing the same pool at the Scotties? Mm-hmm. Still, still the chance they meet. I thought initially my reaction is, what, they're not going to both get to the finals? But you still can. Teams advance from each pool and go to the yep. final pool. So still a chance for Penny Barker and Chelsea Carey. It's not quite used to saying Chelsea Carey, Saskatchewan skip quite yet. Yeah, some, some exciting curling news last cup was it yesterday the news uh tankard's going to whitewood whitewood saskatchewan yeah yesterday or tuesday yeah, yeah something like that and that that's exciting for that community that's where uh I, I did a lot of my growing up when i was a kid in whitewood that's where my grandparents were from they got a oh really they have a i was gonna say a fairly new rink there but it's yeah. actually not really new anymore i think it was built in the year 2000 the whitewood rink because the their old one uh, bur- uh burnt down Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's that's exciting news for the community of Whitewood, too. So, All right. Uh, on the riders' front, can't say Duke Williams. Next rider to resign, who will it be? Uh, Next rider they'll they'll announce because they're certainly doling them out in uh, – take like some time. Ne- next bigger name or just like any – I'm going to – Next gonna, name. I have, I, have a feeling, I have a feeling that uh, Luchas Purifoy – Ooh, I was gonna say Purifoy too. I have um, a feeling in my bones that he that that's on the horizon. I don't know why, but I I feel like I feel like especially after the news today that the Bombers are bringing everyone back, I feel like the Riders need to have a nice juicy name come up here in the headlines within the next week. I like that. I'm gonna say Mike Adam. I'm Ooh. gonna put Mike Adam out there and. Uh, a hundred thousand bucks to the winner. Oh yeah, I'll find that tonight somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Hundred thousand bucks to the winner. Uh, would certainly there are still there's still a ton of time until free agency. Uh, the Bombers making all the news again, but the Riders free agency uh, two is Tuesday, February eighth. Yeah. Okay. Still time. So eleven days in this month and seven more days in the next. Oh, by the way, still uh, we. I've forgotten about this along the way, just the way we talk about it. They still have to get a new CBA in place. Yeah, that's kind of important. You know? <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, Arash, Madani, Arash Madani breaking it today that uh, teams are capping signing bonuses at $400,000 league-wide. Yeah. Is, per, per uh, is his reporting per yeah, team? That's not, that's not a lot, huh? Something about that doesn't necessarily sit right. Yeah. But uh, 
hopefully the hopefully the guys are getting what they're worth. And he, as he mentioned, Justin Dunk, believing the cap will end up about five million dollars, which would be a three hundred thousand dollar clawback from the last time, from what was going to be the cap, I believe, in twenty twenty six twenty nine. Uh, tomorrow, chase the ace. Yeah, we're gonna give some money away tomorrow. Yeah, we may give away a big old jackpot. Luke Mullender will be with us. Sarah Orleski on the NHL and all your latest CFL news, including, as I predict, the signing of Mike Adam. Fingers right. crossed. Give me somebody good. Sports Cage On Demand for the Canadian Brew House. Wherever you get your podcast, please do subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and a review and stick around for Zinger at night.